Bring it in. Welcome back to the read option and the whole gang is back together. Loaded pod for you guys. We have a full field of 68 for the NCAA tournament and we have a whole bunch of NFL news and I have the boys with me. We're going to do some live, not live. I could be live reaction to the NFL stuff. It is 3.48 p.m. Eastern time here. Uh, the NFL tampering, legal tampering, uh, what would you call it? Like window, yeah, is open right yeah. now. Um, and that uh, has been open for about almost four hours. So we've got lots of NFL news to go as well. As some of the stuff that's come out over the last couple of weeks that we haven't gotten to get to since the last time we've all been together. Uh, and then we also have, obviously, the NCAA tournament. So we'll go through some early reactions to that. Uh, but we got a lot of NFL stuff to get to, and we're going to have a lot of fun. But more importantly, the whole gang is back together. First time since the post-Super Bowl pod. So it's great to see you guys. Uh, how are we both, both of you? How is everything? How are we living? Good, man. Good. I mean, you know, it's been, uh, like we were talking about, still not exactly over the Super Bowl. But um, it's good that we have all these other sports. Mark Matt is coming up. You know, Scotty's favorites right after that, the Masters. So we, we've got a good, we've got oh, a good look ahead here. I'm telling you, what a stretch! I've been all over the world, not really, uh, all over North America. I was in Mexico say, yeah. uh, on vacation, and then in in California for uh, for the better part of of two of those weeks. So um, back, kind of settling settling in still here. Uh, missed some of the, some of the news in the off season for for the NFL while I was uh, on my on my traverses. Um, but catching up as well. And man, what a week we've got in store. I mean, NFL off season, uh, um, the tournament starts. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year, by the way, the tournament. Uh, and, and just, uh, just, just electric in the, in the sports world. I'm seeing cap it all off. I'm seeing first spring scene all Saturday night boys. I like that. Ooh, seeing the boss. Where are you seeing yeah. the boss at? Yeah. State college PA. I'll be oh, back in. Right. Uh, that's right. So if Penn State wins their first round game, I will be in state college for <laughs> the round of 32. How about that, that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the, the tournament, I'm with you there. The tournament is arguably, I would put the Thursday of the NCAA tournament and the Sunday at the Masters on the same level for me personally as the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like those yeah. those two there. those two sports days are unlike anything else like i even like watching the players this weekend like most people were, were locked in on college basketball i'm not and this is a hot take by me i'm not the biggest conference tournament guy um with you. you know like especially because i got so used to villanova just winning the big east every year or never yeah. having to, yeah, never having to nice. sweat out them you know going you in, should but see like, all my, my spreadsheets i have entire spreadsheets of of uh each conference's game by time of day uh, it's a whole tracker. I got all I like, the brackets for all 32 conferences. It's I not like seeing, I like seeing like the bracket when it pops out, you know, like I, I obviously like working in that world for a couple of years. Like I, I do like the conference championship weeks. I, I haven't grown. I have grown to like it. It was cool. JMU made it to the semifinals. The women's team won the Sunbelt ch- uh, tournament. So they're, they're dancing. Um, but like, you know, when we were in the colonial, like the colonial gets a bid, but you're basically, you know, the Sun Belt's at least a win. little bit yeah. more entertainment. It's like, you know, the Sun Belt, 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, any of those like mid, you know, mid tier conferences now, would, you have to win to get in. But would they have, would they have gotten in had they won? Isn't yes. there the post because no, Fairly Dickinson won for, the, the Horizon? That the, was uh, only for uh, football because okay. the Colonial was already D one, so they were already in. Like the J last time JMU made the dance was, I think it was the year before I went there. So I think it was like twenty thirteen. Yeah, was the last, know, last time that year JMU they were in the, the final, dance. right? Yeah. Um, now last year, last year they couldn't get in because they had announced that they were moving to the Sun Belt, and it was all that bullshit because they had told the the, the Colonial that they were leaving, that the sun, that then they punished them and they were b- banned from all postseason stuff. Um, so they weren't allowed to even compete in the tournament, which was bullshit. Um, but yeah, so I mean they they were close to dancing, so maybe maybe that'll change moving forward. But you know the conference tournament week is fun. It's it's the appetizer, and hardcore gamblers would tell you there's actually more action to get in the conference championship week. But there's just nothing like that first Thursday of the NCAA tournament. Uh, it, it's that first tip off. It's always the same shot every single year, right? The camera angle down from the top, you see the ball go, and it's like you know, it, yeah, it's like it's like some mid major. It's usually like a ten seven matchup. You'll see like Dayton going up against like Michigan State or something, and that'll be like the first game. And you'll see that tip off, and it's it's always just an electric don't, start. Don't and, you talk poorly of seven ten matchups, right? I'm not saying anything. Seven ten <laughs> matchups are typically the best matchups in the first yeah. round. It's the only <laughs> one where the tens typically end up having like a little bit of a you know the underdog has a bit of a favorite there. Hey, um, easy. <laughs> but yeah, I think there was some crazy stat that like. 11 of the last 16 10-7 matchups the 10 has won. There's there's a crazy stat about that. But wow. so we're we're going to get into all that um in the second part of the pod, but it is just exciting having the tournament back and you know, I we've talked about the the recovery from COVID with sports for a while, but we do kind of feel like now we're in a spot where like COVID it, it's it's obviously it's still around like we have little flare-ups but, like we are pretty comfortably like moved on from it so it's like this feels like a tournament that like it's the first time it feels completely normal again and i think that's really really exciting uh and there's a bunch of fun storylines college basketball has been uh as chaotic this year as any year i can remember we have a a a (laughs) non we have a non you know power six conference team in college basketball as a one seed which doesn't happen all the time with houston so there's going to be a bunch of stuff to get into, which will be fun. But uh, we, you know, tried and true on this podcast, the NFL does king, you know, reign supreme for us. And there's been a ton of stuff. And I did a pod last week. It was like my five most in, in um, packful predictions for the 2023 uh, or 20, yeah, 2023 offseason and just kind of what everything would look like. Um, and. Since I've done that pod, a whole lot of information has come out, which is why I wanted to wait until we could all get back together to kind of hash this out. So I'm going to leave this up to you guys to where we start first. Do we want to start with the trades that have gone down since the last time we had a pod, or do we want to start with the quarterback situations since the last time we had the pod? I'm saying trades. I'm getting antsy yeah. at these trades. trades? All right. I, I'm in love with the first one. All right. So obviously two Major trades in the last uh, over this past weekend, actually, uh, the first and far by far the most important one. We have the Chicago Bears trading the one seed or one not one seed number one overall pick. I got the tournament on the brain trading the number <laughs> one overall pick to the Carolina Panthers for DJ Moore. I believe it's a uh, the number nine first round pick this year, a, a first rounder next year. 
They have a third rounder this year and a second rounder next year as well. I'm trying to pull up all the details, um, but a pretty second this year as well. Yeah. Second. So yeah. Two so twos. it's two twos, two, two ones. ones. Uh, and of course, DJ Moore, uh, which I weirdly enough might be as important of a piece uh, to this trade as any, especially when you look at his contract and that whole situation, which is extremely beneficial. The bears, even with DJ Morse contract, still have the most cap space in the NFL by a large margin. Well, that's part in part because the uh, Panthers are paying fourteen and a half million of the dead cap space for Morse yeah. contract. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's a big haul. It's not quite the the bevy of picks I would say that maybe some of us were anticipating, but it's still a ton uh, to get back. And more importantly, you have a player who's going to come in and help. You're going to be third-year quarterback while he's still on his rookie deal. DJ Moore on a contract, three more years, $17 million per year. That seems like a steal considering what you see some of these high-end wide receivers going for. Uh, I'll, Vito, we'll start with you since you, I know you're chomping at the bits here. Uh, give me your reaction when this broke over the weekend, uh, but more so, uh, not, not asking you for a winner, but was this the right move for the Bears or should they have held out a little bit longer and seen if they could have gotten something else? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, so initial reaction, I fell in love with this deal for the Bears. I thought it would have been a good deal. You got to remember it's eight spots, so they're still getting a quality number one. I think top 10 is quality. Um, you know, high high value number one overall pick still for their team, right? For the number one overall, I should say. So their team's number one would be nine overall, which is still very good. You had a 61 this year, and then a first next year. I think it's second the year after that. And and just that alone, I think, is a pretty good deal for the Bears. They just need more picks. They have a lot of work to do. But then to also address probably, um, you know, one of the best, uh, er- most areas of need, which is uh, their receiver room, to get DJ Moore in on this deal is actually, I think it's a steal. I think this is absolutely ridiculous it's, because yeah. DJ Moore has been good. He's a quality, quality receiver. He won't have all the pressure on him because there are other weapons. <laughs> Cole Komet, everyone talks about the receiver core, but Cole Komet's honestly been really good too. I'm excited to see what they can do. And then also you, you still have now, you know, two other high quality picks this year that you made out of this. So so forget about the future. Just this year, you took your number one overall pick. You're still going to draft a high quality player in the top 10. You get another second round pick and you get DJ Moore, let alone a one and a two. I think it's a steal. Um, but to your question about should they would have held on, man, I mean, sometimes on draft day, people get desperate, right? And mm-hmm. and leading up, I, I didn't think this deal was going to get done until leading up to the draft, but it seems like they wanted to do this ahead of free agency for whatever reason. It makes sense with DJ Moore, right? It makes sense like, all right, we want to get this oh, yeah. guy now so that we know what else we can address in free agency before the draft. But But that was a unique situation. I thought they would have waited longer. Yeah, DJ Moore becomes your instant one receiver in that room. I, I, like Darnell Mooney's been there a while, but he becomes your your number one. Chase Claypool, your number two. Um, and, yeah, like, qu- quickly, so, all of a sudden, it's like the pass catchers in that room, like a healthy Darnell Mooney, J- Chase Claypool, Cole Komet, who's come on as a nice tight end mm-hmm. in his second year out of Notre Dame. And then, yeah, now you're adding DJ Moore, who has been like – Fantasy people love DJ Moore because he's been nothing but a, a producer, but a guy that, especially with the talent and and skill set of a Justin Fields, DJ Moore is is like a perfect complement. In addition to being like a just a really solid traditional number one, you can use him in a million different ways. Uh, you look at the backfield too with David Montgomery, like uh, they're they're hoping and looking to add along the offensive line. 
uh, which should help them as well. They've already added a guard uh, to that team. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like from the fit there. Uh, didn't mean to interrupt you, Scotty, but go ahead and keep going. No, I was going to say this means it's a win-win for the Bears, right? You, for the short term, still commit to Justin Fields, uh, put stuff around him. What you're banking on is that that year two to three jump, which we saw Jalen Hurts take a similar style of quarterback. Uh, we ho- the Bears hope that that jump will, will take place. And if it doesn't, look, now you've got all this draft capital to fall back on. Maybe next year you wait because that pick from the Panthers is going to be high up there. So uh, uh, maybe you wait till next year, grab a guy like Caleb, Caleb Williams earlier in the draft if you find somewhere along the year this year that you don't want to commit to Justin Fields. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really good job by the, uh, by the, the front office there for the Bears. Um, but again, like I, I, I think in, in year three, Justin Fields makes that jump. He's already played better in his first two years than than uh, than Jalen Hurts did for sure. Um, but that that year two to three jump, I think, is is uh, is where you're going to see uh, the biggest leap we often do. And and if they're committing to Justin Fields, that just means uh, in Justin Fields' mind, I think that it, it's it's all right there for him. Um, he doesn't have to to uh, to do anything, you know that that where he's thinking about other other things off the field, what his relationship is with the team, any of that. They know that the Bears have committed to him now um, for for the foreseeable future, and they got him some assets uh, on the field as as well as off. Um, yeah, talking about the Bears there too. Breaking news just coming in uh, from Adam Schefter: the Bears are giving former Bills linebacker Tremaine Edmonds a four-year, seventy-two million dollar contract that includes fifty million guaranteed. Um, largest Bears are making moves, <laughs> largest four-year contract for an inside linebacker in the NFL, uh, which goes along to what I had just said there, right? Which is that the Bears still, even after this trade, still number one in the league. They had seventy-five million dollars in cap space. I still do believe that cap space is overrated. Like as fans, we look at like, oh, we have all this cap space. You got you can't only sign guys um, through free agency and expect it to work. But what we do know is that you also can't expect to do it solely through the draft. It has to be a balance of two. Uh, and, and what this trade with Carolina does is it not only sets you up this year. And Scotty, I love what you said. It's the exact same thing that the Eagles did with the Saints uh, and and what they did with uh, the Colts when they offloaded Carson Wentz. They got lucky in that Wentz played enough snaps for that to be a first-round pick. Then they're able to flip the two first-rounders they have this year to extend to have another first-rounder this year. So if there was a quarterback like Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, if Jalen Hurts didn't work out, then they could have gone up. But obviously Jalen does work out. That ends up being a huge win for the Eagles and now you get two first-round draft picks. Uh, and any in, in a year that's not, I wouldn't say, gloated with overall talent, but there's a lot of talent. Every year, there's a ton of talent, right? Like, there's always going to be high-end guys. There's years that we think are loaded that end up being disappointing. And there's years that we think, hey, maybe this isn't the best draft class and ends up being really good. But part of the reason why I love this for Chicago, too, is if you look at the draft board, you have Carolina, who's clearly going up to look for a quarterback, Houston, Arizona, Indianapolis, Seattle, Detroit, and Las Vegas, and Atlanta. You can make a case for every single one of those teams, except maybe Arizona, um, that they could all be looking for a quarterback. And I said on the pod last week that I think it's I think we see four quarterbacks go in the top ten. I think we end up seeing Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, uh, Anthony Richardson, which I have my feelings on uh, that you guys weren't here to hear all that, so I'm, I won't I won't bore you all with it all now. Uh, and then Will Levis, I think all four of those guys end up going 
in the top 10. So if Carolina, Houston, uh, Indianapolis, and Seattle will say, right, or Detroit or Las Vegas or Atlanta or any of those teams end up drafting a quarterback, one of those guys in the top 10, then all of a sudden that top 10 ranking drops to basically like number nine there, drops like being more like a top three pick, three or three or four yeah. pick, because you know that four of those picks are going to be quarterbacks and you're already set and happy with Justin Fields. So the, yeah. the realistic chance of like, even though I don't think Will Anderson or Jalen Carter or some of these elite level guys are going to be there, the the probably the best offensive lineman in this class will still be there for Chicago at number nine, more than likely. Um, and we'll get receiver, into the Raiders. For sure. I think Jackson yeah. Smith and Jigba still sitting there. Yeah. But I mean, they need help on the, on the offensive and yeah. defensive line. So I think they're sitting in the best and like the best spot, which like, hey, whoever the best player is on our board on either offensive or defensive line is there. We're going to take them. And if you're if you're uh, Chicago, like that's kind of a win win. Plus, knowing, as you said, Scotty, too, Carolina is not going to be great this year. We know the defense is there, but like you're trading away a top level wide receiver. And this goes into some of the stuff I talked about last week, which was that teams learned from what the Eagles did last year. Right. Teams have learned from team. Like if you have a young quarterback, the best thing you can do is to make an all in move now and go and get a truly elite level wide receiver to come in and help him develop while he's on that rookie contract. And for Chicago, I think it's a slam dunk for Carolina looking on the other side of this. And the betting odds are interesting because the quarterback odds for who is going to go number one or just the draft odds for who are going to go number one have jumped all around, right? The first quarterback off the board was Bryce Young for a while. Then all of a sudden after the the combine, Anthony Richardson jumped up to like plus 200 to 250. And then now CJ Stroud has jumped from plus 600 all the way up to almost even odds and some places negative odds, depending on where you're getting your line to be the first overall pick. So if you're Carolina and you think CJ Stroud is our guy, you have now made the decision to go out and get your guy. And if it takes that much, then it takes that much to go up and get there. We've seen that work in the past. We've seen a backfire in the past. But if you're the new GM for Carolina, you're Frank Reich now, the new head coach, you have to make these moves to go out and get your guy. And for someone like Frank Reich, who had to play you know, quarterback uh, roulette, basically, for the last five years in Indianapolis, you're now giving yourself a chance to go get a guy that you can build around for the foreseeable future. Exactly. You have to have that consistency at quarterback, or at least have your guy, someone you believe in. Um, and, and you don't want to come in with a new GM, a new head coach. It's very, um, it's, it's the right time to make a move like this. Yes. It's a lot to give up, but go find your guy. And hopefully they already have one of these guys. You, you'd hope to th- that they have a guy they're in love with before they made this trade. Now their comments afterwards were obviously like, you know, we're going to work everyone out and see everything. And no matter if they had a decision or not, they'd say the same thing. So you can't really read but, into that. Yeah. It, it's, it's more it's, about, I hope they have their guy and I hope they they're like, all about somebody because if you're doing this just to make a splash or just to do that, usually that's, that's not, those intentions don't work out. Usually it's like, I love this guy. Yeah. Then let's go give it up for him. So yeah, that's what I well, hope. And on top of that too. And this is kind of, I mean, obviously you don't want to lose talent like DJ Moore, but if you're a team like Carolina, you got to, you're stripping down, right? Like we're rebuilding exactly. this from bare bones. So yeah. you're giving up an asset in DJ Moore, but that saves you what you're giving up in draft capital. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're still like, yeah, you had to give up a 2025 second round pick. That's two years down the road. But for now, you're going to have your second round pick next year. You're losing two picks this year, but you are get, you're losing one one pick this year, really, in the in the second yeah. rounder, which is pick 61, which not that that's not a valuable pick, but we're talking back end of the second round. It's not like we're talking about like 
pick number 34, which is basically yeah. an extension of the first round still. It's it's a late second round pick. So you're still holding on to a good amount of draft capital. You're getting the guy that you're going to build your team around. And then hopefully you can surround him with more pieces. They have a ton of, you know, uh, they have a ton of, of, of space cap wise. But that defense we've talked about, during, we talked about during the regular season. We've talked about for the last two years, it feels like that they spent in Matt Rule's first year as the head coach there. They picked every single pick was defense. Every single yep. pick in that draft. I think it was the 2020 draft was on defense. So that defense is young. It's got a lot of talent on it uh, and, and it's going to continue to get better. And so now you're at least pairing a rookie quarterback with a good defense. And then you can work on building everything else out. They drafted a, an offensive tackle with the, in their top 10 pick last year. Uh, uh, Icky. Oh, I forget his last name, but uh, the kid from NC Quano. state last year. Yeah. Icky Aquino um, from NC state last year who struggled at times, but again, his the hope is he'll get better in year number two. So you have a good left tackle. You have a good defense. You have some decent pieces around it and you're going to let your rookie quarterback come in and probably struggle. Uh, but for, uh, for, for both teams, I actually think, I think it kind of works out for what both of these organizations are heading. If you're Chicago, you have to figure out whether or not Justin Fields is the guy. I think he showed you enough this year to do that. And you're getting a huge piece to help him be better. And then if you're Carolina, you're getting the first overall pick this year. So you can take whatever quarterback you want to take. You can do whatever you want to do to set up your future at that core position and then you didn't have to give up as much draft capital as we thought, which might have been like three or four first round picks, or at least, you know, a, a three first rounders, two second rounders. Like you're giving up a, an important piece, but also you're not giving up all of your draft capital. So you can continue to hopefully draft well and add pieces around it. Um, all right, let's move on to the other big trade from the weekend. We have uh, Jalen Ramsey moving on, getting traded to. And I another thing, I did call this last week that I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Ramsey got moved. Um, and then, of course, uh, literally like three days later, he gets traded to the Miami Dolphins. Um, this is uh, an interesting move. Only uh, First of all, there's a couple interesting things here, right? The amount that Miami had to trade to get Jalen Ramsey seems like a steal. They, they essentially sent away like their, what, like backup, tight end mate yeah. hunter long i mean i know he was only a second year in the league last year at a boston college but because their number one he's the back he's the guy there so you're well, not he's a losing free agent. A ton. <clears throat> they cut him they cut jasicki oh i missed that yeah i, when I did thought they, they when did they cut Jusicki? i thought they were going to yeah um, i thought I, it was this week it hasn't hasn't been made official yet because i've gone through all of uh all of the, uh, the the ticker stuff so that that hasn't happened yet but um either way if you lose a tight end in that offense, it's not the end of the world, right? You still have more than enough uh, in terms of the passing game than you need. Plus they didn't really use Jasicki a lot last year at all. He had a pretty down year considering where he was trending. Um, so you're giving up Hunter long, who was uh, I think a second or third round pick for them a couple of years ago uh, out of BC, who I really liked coming out, just never really got an opportunity. Uh, and then a third rounder to go out and get a guy yeah. who is, it, you know, Jalen Ramsey. It's not that he's, um, washed by any means he's still really really good he's not jalen ramsey when the rams first traded from him for for jacksonville but he's still a really really good player he still is incredibly versatile you can play i mean i wouldn't be surprised at some point in his career he starts to slide down to that kind of nickel safety spot that that tyron matthew world um but he's yeah. still a really good qb one or a C cb one i should say right now yeah. so 
I, I like the move. Um, I don't love it for the Rams other than they have to shed. They have to get some sort of draft capital back after what they gave up and they have to shed salary. So they're doing that. Uh, and I think it also tells you a lot of, you know, this news with Stafford being available to being traded. And we're going to talk about the quarterbacks here in a little bit. Um, but it seems like the Rams are headed towards a full rebuild, which I thought because McVay was coming back that that was off the table. I figured they would try to run it back one more time. doesn't seem like that's the case. It looks like they're going to try to go into the season with whatever they have. It's going to be a really weird and interesting case study because, hey, they won yeah. a Super Bowl. But when you win a Super Bowl this way, in the way that they did it, spending all your draft capital and trades, going out and making blockbuster deals to bring in talent, that run's going to be a lot shorter. Now the Rams are sitting there kind of like, hey, what do we do now? So, yeah, uh, I don't yeah, even know when their next first overall pick is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think it's like 2026 or 2025 is their next first rounder. It's it's yeah. crazy. I mean, they gave up a ton uh, over the last couple of years. They won a Super Bowl, right? So ultimately, it's all worth it. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, I, that again, and that's what made it seem. It's like if McVay was really considering leaving and taking a break from coaching – I thought for sure that meant, hey, let's just bring everybody back and figure this out. But it seems like Stafford's elbow is pretty bad. Obviously, now they move on from Ramsey. Donald's flirted with retirement. That offensive line is still terrible. It's kind of hard to figure out where the Rams are looking at right now other than in this move, shed some salary, get a little bit of draft capital back and see what we can do. And I love it on Miami side. I mean, listen, he was still third in PFF as a corner last year. So to your point, it's not this is not a washed up Ramsey. It's just. They don't know how much they're going to have to pay for how long. He's going to be a guy who's going to have a lot of money on the backside once he has declined. But to your point, the two best things in his game, run defense, and actually he had a 91 grade as a pass rusher last year, which is crazy. So blitzing him has been very successful. So the nickel corner, they can find a spot for him long-term. He's by Xavier Howard, who's also you know at one point an all-pro guy, definitely later in his career. But both these guys... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this defense takes a big step up and how physical they're going to be, um, which which would be huge for them. And, and obviously they got Bradley Chubb, you know, Miami did in the last 12 months, whenever they traded for him from the Broncos for number one, that's the number one Broncos gave up for Sean Payton. So it's kind of weird how that all works out. But uh, I think it's a great pick for or a trade for them. And, and there's just a lot of buzz around Miami in general with free agents and with with a lot of different different players that are asking to maybe negotiate on their own. Yeah, like what like Tom Brady. Go ahead. <laughs> maybe. I mean, who knows? They did <laughs> exercise to his fifth year option, which we'll get to when we talk about the quarterback stuff. Um, but to that point, Vito, remember who they just brought in to be their defensive coordinator? It's Vic Fangio, right? Yeah. yeah. So now you're bringing in one of the best defensive coordinators over the last 15 years to a defense that they went out and they get Bradley Chubb, who I think was used incorrectly. Remember who Bradley Chubb had his best success under in Denver? Vic Fangio. So you know mm. Vic Fangio is going to scheme up Bradley Chubb to do a whole bunch. Uh, we've seen cornerbacks be, you know, whether it was William Jackson, uh, obviously, uh, I don't think Pat Sertan and Vic Fangio, did they overlap? Was that one year that they overlapped? Ooh, yeah, it was his so. his rookie year and Vic, yeah, because this past year was uh, yeah, the first right. year. Yeah, so yeah, yes, so they had one year of overlap and we immediately saw how good uh, Pat Sertan uh, the second was with yeah. Vic Vangio. So he's going to have so much fun scheming up ways to use, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey. And honestly, this is something that the Dolphins need. I, I mean, ultimately, and we talked about this for a while with the Tua stuff all season. It's like, 
All the pieces are there. They have a great backfield. They have awesome wide receivers. They go out and get Teron Armstead in free agency last year, who was one of the best left tackles in football. They have a decent offensive line. They have pieces on the defense. It still comes back to the quarterback position and whether or not you're going to be able to see Tua Tungavailoa. And it said they another news that came out today, Mike White, the quarterback from the Jets, uh, signing a two-year yeah. deal with the Dolphins. So he's going to be the backup uh, there. The move before the move for the Jetskis, huh? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> right? I mean, but either way, Mike White at least gives you a fighting chance if Tua goes down again. But ultimately, like, this is a team roster-wise, you can put them up against anybody in the NFL. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I love agree. Mike McDaniel. It's just like, uh, it, it all comes back to that quarterback position. But the rest of this roster, it's impossible not to love what the Dolphins are doing right now. I agree. And, and so one of the things that we lauded last year was the fact that when McDaniel went in, they kept uh, they kept Brian Flores as defensive coordinator. I forget his name. Uh, but they, they did that for the sake of continuity. And it turned out okay. They had a decent year defensively. Obviously, on paper, um, they're they're absolutely stacked. And now you bring in a guy like Fangs. Hey, Fangs, take over the defense. I'm going to worry about the offense. We're good. Everybody's got their own job. We all know each other really well because we're we've been around the same people. And uh, and I I really think this benefits them greatly on, on both sides of the ball. Not only uh, the trade, but getting Fang, uh, Fangio in there. You th- that defense on paper is elite. Christian Wilkins, some of those guys up front, Raekwon Davis, Jalen Phillips, um, all of whom had great years. You bring in Bradley Chubb on that side too. Uh, and then I think the the unsung part of this is how this is going to look with uh, with Javon Holland playing safety in between uh, in between those two elite cornerbacks in Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. So uh, I think this defense is set up really, really well. Uh, but again, like you said, Jeff, it all comes back to the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, I it, it, you have to see something, right? And I will say this. This is why teams will mortgage stuff to go up and draft a quarterback in the first round. Having that fifth year, knowing that they have two under contract for the next two seasons is really important, right? Because if Tua doesn't work out this year, everyone else in that core that we talked about is there. Tyreek Hill's there. They'll have two more years minimum, or, or at least two more years with Jalen Waddell. Uh, you'll have, I think Cedric Wilson has signed a three-year deal. So at least you'll have this year, if not next year with Cedric Wilson. So your wide receiver room set your defense. All these guys are under contract here for the next couple of years. Everyone, they, they assigned Chubb to the extension. They signed Armstead to the extension to all of these guys. They've gone out and they've made big, you know, moves to keep these guys long-term. So if Tua isn't the guy, then you have a roster in place where you say, Hey, we are going to sacrifice three first round picks two second round picks and Tua and send him to a team that, you know, it has the, whoever the next disgruntled quarterback is. Right. Um, so for my money, I, I still don't understand. And, and maybe the, the money just didn't work out. And that's why, why, if you're Mike McDaniel in the front office here, or were you out within an hour on Lamar Jackson? Right. Yeah. Like, like go and make that move. Now I know you want to give Tua a shot, but like, that's, that's the missing piece. You put two, if you put Lamar Jackson on this team right now, to me, that's like in, in the mix for Super Bowl favorites with the amount of talent and coaching and everything else they have on that team. Um, even still, there'll be another disgruntled quarterback. There'll be another person who wants to move out. We're seeing more and more quarterbacks are turning into you know NBA players where it feels like, all right, like right, let's set the timer. Every six months, there's another one of them who wants to leave their current situation. So there'll be somebody. I don't know who that's going to be yet. But if it's not Tua this year and you feel like, all right, we know definitively it's not Tua this year, 
then you at least have that fifth year option and then you can use him in a trade to go get somebody and someone else can take a chance on Tua while they're bridging to our next quarterback or Tua stays healthy and he plays like he did through the first eight weeks of the season this year before getting hurt. And you're in competition with the Bills and with the Chiefs and with the Bengals and who knows, right? At that point, it's playoff football. Anything can happen. Uh, but I, you got to say that you love what the Dolphins are doing right now. All right, let's move on here um, because we got to get to the quarterbacks. I'll give you guys a, another choice. This whole thing is basically like a pick your own adventure for the two of you guys. Love that. Um, so do we want to go quarterbacks that have signed or quarterbacks that are signed slash moved or quarterbacks who have not signed slash moved? Scott, you choose this one. Signed. Signed. Signed quarterbacks. Signed. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to then Scotty, we'll start with the, or no, we'll go veto first. And Scotty got the pick. Um, I'm going to give you uh, five quarterbacks and you can pick. You have to make the case for the positive and the negative for whichever quarterback you pick. Okay. 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 So your five options are Derek Carr, Danny Dimes, Geno Smith, Jimmy G who is headed towards the Las Vegas Raiders or Tua who is the fifth-year uh, extension uh, that had been activated. So you can pick one of those five quarterbacks, but you have to make the positive and negative case for it, and we'll go roundtable till we work through all of them. Man, I, w- I would talk Jimmy, but I'm going to leave that for my boy over there. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll take uh, – I'll take um, – you know what? Let's talk Geno Smith because right. I think this is an interesting move that didn't obviously make like big headlines. Uh, everyone's waiting for all this big stuff. Cause it's Seattle by the way. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. By the way, isn't it, isn't it wild that like this, if you're a diehard football fan, this week feels a little bit like the draft. Cause it's that hopefulness that you can like make your team better right now. It's amazing. Yeah. It's the first so, taste of that, like future hope where it's like, all right, the season's been done. It's been done for like over a month now. Now we can turn the page to the yeah, next year. I'm spamming refresh. Uh, so <laughs> uh, for Seattle, they get Geno Smith. And, and obviously last year, I think worked out even better than they had thought. So number one on, on the good side, you're getting con- like continuity in that offensive locker room. And he played well. Uh, he trailed off towards the end of the year for sure. So you never know. Maybe there was an injury involved. Maybe something happened there. But what we do know is that he played very well for the first 10, 12 games of the season. Um uh, understands that offense did a great job not turning the ball over, especially early on, and and allow that team to be where they were at. Obviously, I mean, a lot of people picked him to be last, so uh, he he definitely overperformed what we had thought. Now that he's this far in his career, the positive again, it's consistency, it's continuity, and you have your guy for three years, so uh, it's a three-year, $75 million deal. They can go and look towards the future in the next year or two, um, for agency, whatever, but like they don't have to rush. They have a guy, so it kind of is a holdover um, in some ways, and we'll see how he does. But the negative side is that he did trail off towards the end. So did he actually have that great of a year? You know, he, he obviously killed it the first 10, 12 weeks, but in those later games, he faded. He had a couple two pick games, which like, if you're going to do this, Geno Smith, you're going to lose. So I, I really think that they probably, for the amount of money, um, maybe there's a better option, but he's in your building. You guys know him. You like him, especially after everything that happened with Russell. Uh, listen, no matter what you think about it, a lot was said and a lot was done from a lot of big names. So just having a guy who's kind of understated, right. Who will just go along and do the right thing. And, and almost to Scotty's point, like, yeah, you're not going to hear about him in Seattle, which is honestly probably what, what like a lot of people in that franchise, th- th- it's team first, everything. They don't want that. So this is a good fit for them. 
he's in the building. And I think overall, it's a pretty damn good signing. Now, it's just when you see we're still in the point, I think as the salary cap increases, it's going to keep happening. But you're like, damn, that guy's getting 25 mil a year if everything works out. You know, he gets all of, all the money. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah he is. You know, <laughs> well, and, and it's important to add on that, too. It's 40 million guaranteed. Right. So it's mm-hmm. it's essentially if you're Seattle, you're signing a three year, 40 million dollar deal. Right. Uh, right. There's a chance that number could get up to the 50, 60. There's almost zero chance it ends up being actually $75 million. Uh, either way, though, I completely agree with you, Vito. Like, it, it's a perfect deal. You bring in a guy who who played well. You're giving him a chance to come back. That's enough. That team was so young, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. You're giving them another year to get better, to grow. Um, teams took notice of that. You still have Tyler Lockett. You still have DK. Uh, you're going to get Kenneth Walker back. That offensive line with those two stud rookie offensive linemen, the tackles on both sides, they're not going to take another step right mm-hmm. this year. I mean, I, I've said it tons, 10 times and- maybe on this pod. Charles Cross, huge miss on my part. He was fantastic last year as a rookie. So you're going to give him a chance. But more often, more than that, too, they're sitting there with, uh, what was it, the sixth overall, seventh overall pick yeah. this year? Yeah, so they're going to yeah, get better. Five, fifth overall pick this fifth year. Overall, yeah, from, from the Broncos. Yeah. So no, sorry, got, Vito. They got more more picks coming. Don't worry. And and look, I mean, Carolina takes a quarterback. Houston takes a quarterback. Indy yep. might take a quarterback if they want. If Anthony Richards falls, because like, that's the thing. It's like Anthony Richardson to me is a. And I did my whole thing on it, but like I would stay away from him unless I was Seattle. Seattle and Detroit are the only two teams I think I would be okay with uh, taking him in the first round, only because you know you have Jared Goff and you know you have Geno Smith under contract for the next three years. And it might take that long to develop Anthony Richardson. That I mean, he's unbelievably gifted as an athlete. He's a terrible quarterback. So um, if you're Seattle, you're kind of in a perfect spot here. And if nothing else, you draft a player fifth overall, you get a guy like, say, Will Anderson with the fifth overall pick. That makes your defense immediately even better. So I'm with you, Vito. I think it's a great, uh, great sign. Um, all right, Scotty, go to you. Derek Carr, Danny Dimes, Jimmy G, Tua. Make the case I'll, for I'll, slash against. I will uh I will do what Vito predicted. I'll pick my uh my once my boy, now trader, Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> going to the uh to the Raiders. Uh I hate the Raiders. So do you, Vito. Uh, yep. <laughs> so so this is this is good, right? This he goes back to Josh McDaniel's offense, which he's very familiar with. Uh, Jimmy G is efficient. He's ranked in the 12th, uh, 12 to 16 in uh, in efficiency in his tenure with the 49ers. He took us to a Super Bowl. He was uh, two yards of an overthrow away uh, from winning the Super Bowl. And look, the guy wins games. That's the positive, right? All of all of this combined together, this this seems like the logical uh, the logical fit. Uh, for for almost any of the when when we talk about the the class of free agent quarterbacks, mm-hmm. this seemed like the most logical fit to begin with. So um, he's moving on. He's got the number one wide receiver in the game of football in uh, in Devontae Adams. So um, no no slouch there. He's he's got guys to throw to. If Darren Waller sticks around, which maybe he will, maybe he won't. Uh, we know how much Jimmy G loves the tight ends, and that would be a huge get. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think it's 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 a really good situation for GG. The problem is that despite the fact that he's good at winning games, he's in what we think is probably going to be one of the tougher divisions in football and has proven to be. And even regardless, if it's not, you still have to go out and play the chiefs twice every year. Uh, so that, that to me is, is going to be the, the, the hard part. I think 
the Chargers are going to get better in 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 this offseason. Um, the Broncos, uh, who knows what you're getting there with with Sean Payton and now in second year of Russell Wilson. Um, that defense is still elite. We think they're going to get better. So it's a challenging situation to be thrust into uh, as as a free agent quarterback, given that it's one of the more difficult divisions in football. Uh, but but again, I think it's a really good fit. Uh, so this is my two cents on it. You hit the nail on the head when you said this is a great situation and deal for Jimmy G. Because it is. It's a fantastic deal. You're going with your old oh, coach. Yeah. You're getting 34, 30, 34 million, million guaranteed. guaranteed. Um, I don't know what the Raiders are doing. I don't get this at all for the Raiders. You you are trading away Derek Carr or letting Derek Carr walk. To get a slightly older Derek Carr. <laughs> a worse version of Derek Carr. Like, And I'm not a big <laughs> Derek Carr fan. And look, to your point, Scotty, yeah, like Jimmy G is more consistent than Derek Carr, but Jimmy G's never thrown for almost 5,000 yards. Derek Carr has. Jimmy G, uh, you know, Jimmy G doesn't stretch the field like Derek Carr has shown the capability of doing, though he struggled with that er earlier in his career. Um, and more importantly, if you're if you're Mark Davis and you're the owner of the, of the Raiders and you build this billion dollar stadium, and for for people who don't understand the background of how the ownership side of this works, and Vito, I know this will be right up your alley. Um, there's an inheritance tax when you are an owner of an NFL team. And if you are the son or daughter of, of one of the owners um, and your parents pass away, then you have to pay a pretty massive tax. I think it's like 30 or 40% on top of what the valuation of the team is. Um, so whatever the, the, the Raiders are going to be valued as, there's going to be about a 40% tax that Mark Davis is going to have to pay out of pocket in order to keep the team and not allow it to go from open bidding uh, or at least not be forced to then sell the team. Mark Davis is cash poor. Like that's that's mm -hmm. been this running thing. It's the problem with these mom and pop operated teams and franchises that we see in the NFL, the Rooney family, right? Um, we've seen it all across the NFL, and it's going to be a major problem because even though Al Davis passed away uh, and had not been the active owner of the team for quite some time now, uh, I forget the name of Al Davis's wife and Mark Davis's mother is still alive at like ninety-seven years old, right? So eventually. And though we never like to assume or whatever, but just saying eventually there's going to be a very big bill that drops on Mark Davis's lap. And on top of that, too, the next TV contract that comes in is going to make the valuation of the team significantly even higher. We're already seeing talks where uh, obviously Vito, your Broncos sold for was it six and a half billion, seven billion? What was the number? I think it was six, six billion. Six. Yeah. Um the, the commanders will be sold here in the next few weeks. That number is going to be anywhere from six to seven billion. So, and now we're talking about Vegas, which is a big time market that has proven to be a yeah. very good sports market. Um, this number that's going to come down to him uh, is going to be go ahead, Vita. Ours is only 4.6. Oh, it's 4.6. So All right. It, yeah. The valuation was six. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think that's where you're getting higher. crossed. So <clears throat> we're talking about astronomical type numbers and, mm -hmm. and money that Mark Davis just flat out is not going to be able to pull off. Um, yeah why you're going to continue now what could potentially help that right getting a young exciting quarterback in there getting a say lamar jackson in there right getting somebody who's going to be able to give you that return on investment right away jimmy g is fine jimmy g is absolutely fine but that's what he's been his whole career he's been fine he's been nothing special he hasn't been terrible he's been fine and you know what they're probably going to win eight games this year and you know what that's going to do Nothing for the franchise. It's going to keep them in this exact same middle ground that they've been in because you're just going out and getting a, a slightly better fit for you. It's the same quarterback that just fits 
this system now with a new head coach a little bit better than previous coaches did with Derek Carr. Jimmy G is going to fit better in with Josh McDaniels. That's all we're doing. So overall, it doesn't help you. You're paying $34 million guaranteed unless they go out and draft the quarterback this year and Jimmy G becomes the bridge guy, which you're giving $34 million unless you're going to go get that Anthony Richardson type guy, which again, I don't know how he works in Josh McDaniels offense. I I just don't see it. I don't see why if you're the Raiders, this is what you're doing it short term or long term. Yeah, I think part of it was make a safe move because of the the drama that you you caused with Derek Carr, um, and Jimmy G is exactly that. It's a safe move, um, and two at seven, you're not guaranteed, especially with what we've seen now with the with the trade between the Bears and the Panthers. The Raiders at seven are not guaranteed to get anyone at quarterback, no, and especially not their guy, quote unquote. So um, this this to me means that he will be that bridge that you're talking about. All right, uh, I'm up. I'm going to take the obvious one, given my team and my the division I play in, the New York football giants. Um, $160 million, $92 million total guaranteed money for uh, Daniel Jones, $81 million guaranteed at signing. Um, and they also use the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. Um, this deal is what every other team in the NFC was praying the Giants would do. Cuz I'll tell and I'll tell you why. The front office now, you got disciples of of Billy Bean there, not Billy Bean, the uh, Brandon Bean, um the GM of uh Buffalo. And you got obviously Brian Dayball who has been a phenomenal head coach and terrifies me as a head coach and a, a, as a fan of a team that's going to have to go up against him twice every single year. Um this is exactly what you want. All right. Danny Dimes, this is this is what and it's, this is going to sound weird to say because I never have ever credited the Washington football team, commanders, our words, whatever you want to call them. I've never credited Dan Snyder with much, but I will give him credit this. He did not settle on Kirk Cousins. Has it worked for them since Kirk Cousins? No, it hasn't. But he also didn't buy into the idea of mediocrity and overpaying for mediocrity. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what we're seeing the New York Giants do here is they are overpaying for a quarterback that is Kirk Cousins. Like at its best, maybe, maybe. Yeah. And, 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 and I know that if you are the head coach of the New York Giants, you don't see a long-term future. You don't see a long-term future with Daniel Jones being a successful, legitimate, high-quality quarterback. What you will see is a guy who's going to be absolute wallpaper like that's that's what he is at its core he is wallpaper he is fine he's nothing he's boring he's he's so goddamn boring and he's not gonna win you a super bowl and you're tired and look four years i get it's not that bad but now how that this team has so many holes in it the defense has tons of holes the coaching staff is good it's already good they already maximized it I don't understand how they think they're going to do better than what they had when they went up against a far more superior team and got blown off the ball. And from the first play of that playoff game against the Eagles, they were fucked. We knew the Vikings were overrated. They gave them a good fight. Have fun living in the divisional round for the next four years. I agree. And, and I'll say too, the thing is, though, ahead, he's like, he, he's one of those guys. I feel like this is very related to what I was talking about with, with uh, Geno Smith is that if you look at him though, the thing he did well, See, so did not turn the ball over much 
especially early on the playoffs. He kind of did, especially well against the Eagles, but he had a great run where he played his best ball this year. And to your point, this is a huge moving of all the chips in by the owner and the GM and the head coach saying, yeah, it's going to get even better. And, and I don't know, it's happened before. Maybe this is the case, but I don't see it. And I can't believe it was this much. I think they could have gotten a deal done for less than this. I really do. I I'm shocked that this is, this is the deal that they went with. And I'm honestly a little shocked. They franchise Saquon. Well, well, I mean, I get it. Cause like you can't have one without the other, right? You can't pay. Cause if you, if you pay Saquon the deal, then you're going to have to either franchise tag. You're more than likely going to franchise tag Danny Dimes, right? And then you're going to be paying him $32 million this year, which is not something that they wanted to do. If they didn't pay Saquon and they put the tag on him, then what is Saquon good with a rookie quarterback, right? Is Saquon going to come in and stay? You basically had to do this if you wanted to keep both. So That's the thing. I would have blown it up personally. Which, which if I'm Brian Dable, that's probably what I would have said. Now, coaches Pat Shermer and other guys in the past, yeah. Joe Judge, have said that, no, like Daniel Jones is a tough motherfucker. Like he, he's, he deserves more credit than he gets, and I'm fine to give that to him. And I, I think for the most part during the season, we did give him more respect than we had in years past. Mm-hmm. The thing, though, is like I'm looking at uh, Sport Track right now or Spot Track right now looking at his contract. Right now, at the, the first potential out for the New York Giants comes in 2025. Right. So that's two full seasons of this. And if they do end up doing that, if they cut him going into the 2025 season, that's an $18 million dead cap hit. So if you cut him, yes, is $18 million as bad as like the Lamar or the the Aaron Rodgers $56 million cap hit or the Russell Wilson cap hit we were talking about before? No, of course not. It's not that bad. But $18 million is still enough to set you back for at least another season. So if this move doesn't work out, you're basically handicapping yourself for the next three years. An $18 million dead cap hit is going to be big. And even with a new TV contract that comes in, that you're not going to be competitive if this move doesn't work out, which tells me they actually think they can win a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones. And when that happens, I don't know if it's the Maras, right? Like that that family yeah. has has loved the stability of quarterback their whole time. There just seems to be a really big disconnect. And I know Brian Dable got the best out of Daniel Jones. And your hope is, hey, maybe in year two, he does a little bit more. He's not Josh Allen. It's not like you're trying to wrangle in a Mustang here, right? You know, right. this this is completely different. This is you're trying to get the most out of out of like a donkey. You're trying to build a Mustang. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, it's, yeah. It's, 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 you're not breaking in, you know, a thoroughbred racehorse here. You're taking your work donkey and trying to turn him into a racehorse. And you're just not doing that. You're just not doing that and, yeah. with Daniel Jones. And to me, like the, the production last year, which was the first year that we saw it, came from his legs. Yeah. And you're going to guarantee that much for a quarterback. We've seen the injury history of quarterbacks who run like that in this league. So, to guarantee him that will much catch over on that, that period too. of time. Because yeah. teams will catch on to that too, you know? And I get it. He didn't have a whole lot of help. Like Isaiah Hodgins ended up being a stud for them. They've reworked Sterling Shepard's deal so far already this offseason. Maybe they go and they try to get like a Jackson Smith. Because the wide receiver class this year is uh, – it, it's good. Yeah. And we'll still we'll still see two wide receivers minimum go in the first round. But it's not years and years past where it's like, oh, my God, there were six wide receivers taken in the first round. There is no like jaw dropping talent out there, so maybe they they can find someone in the back half of the first round when they're drafting. But you know, like I said, you can you you can train a donkey all you want to be a racehorse. It's only going to get you so far, and I feel like that's kind of what they're doing. And to set yourself up from a like from a front office standpoint here, um, because you're afraid of the alternative, 
fucking go. I would rather pay Jimmy G that money and be able to get out of that contract earlier. Like the Raiders will be able to then sign up for tr- almost triple the amount of guaranteed money and get Daniel Jones. All right. We got two more quarterbacks left. Um, Vito, it goes to you, Derek Carr, uh, or Tua. I'm going to go with, uh, let's go with Derek Carr. All right. Thanks. So <laughs> I've seen a big range of what the internet's saying. I mean, CBS has him as their number two free agent behind Lamar as like the best out there. I think that's a little high. I've seen other people have him very low on that overall list, but it is rare to have a guy at this stage of his career be a free agent like this. Um, not unheard of, but I mean, if I'm right, I mean, Derek Carr is what, early 30s? Uh, yeah, I think he's 32. Yeah, he's 32 years old. Uh, 31 now, going to be 32 soon this month. He, you know, is basically a different version um, I think of, of like that, again, I put him in this realm of Kirk cousins on Jimmy G's like a worse version of himself, which is kind of funny about the whole Raiders thing. But I do think that him in new Orleans, it's a stable franchise, uh, in terms of the ownership and the GM, they've been consistently there. Uh, and I think they're looking for a big back, uh, bounce back. Obviously they haven't found their guy. It doesn't sound, you know, unfortunately they're not going with Jameis, which I know we're all disappointed about, but uh, this probably is the best move for them, for the quarterbacks out there to immediately get back there. Cause you got to remember, I mean, listen, I know Jeff and your, your opinion, probably most people's opinion is listen. Uh, oh my God. Uh, Michael Thomas is just done, right? Like he's just like, yeah. whatever he was there, it's just gone, but they do have crystal love. They have some young talent. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to make a difference coming up. And I think, you can't really judge this receiver or this skill position group until you actually get a quarterback that's going to be consistent. And they try to get in Jameis. It's just, it's not how he wants to play. He just needs to be able to sling it. Derek Carr last, last year specifically, this year not as good. He, he definitely had a step back. But last year proved he could be, you know, leading one of the top offenses in the NFL at a very capable rate. And, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do in a different situation, but I don't think the supporting cast is necessarily better. I think that for the saints, it's a, it's the most stable move you could have made not in the draft, right. From where yeah. they're at. Like, and that's what I think they did. So they took the, you know, being a good ownership and good GM, they made the best decision they could with what was available at the time. And that's what they went with. Cause they think they can get probably four or five quality years out of him. And that's going to be enough to figure it out. That's really my take on him. Yeah, I you know, I did my my Derek Carr thing last week, um, which was not too different from you. I mean, I, and I know I just shit on the Raiders for doing the same thing, but the Raiders are kind of in a different situation given the ownership stuff. Um, my my overall kind of thought process on it was that you have to do you do have to give teams credit for at least trying to do things to remain competitive, right? Like. Mm-hmm. The example I always use, it's it's the NBA, but like when the Bulls went out and they made the trade for like Vucevic and then they go and get DeMar DeRozan and you're like, hey, you know what? Like, are they yeah. winning a title with these guys? No, but it, is it better than tanking and putting a shit product out there? Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and you have to give those teams credit for doing that. And I would say that for the for the Raiders as well. However, I also looked at like where the where the uh, Saints were with their cap situation, which has been cap hell for the last couple yeah. of years. 
And they're already they've already lost three pieces off their defense that they know aren't coming back this year. Um, so their defensive line, which the defense are, was good last year, but took a step down from what it was the year before. Um, so that's obviously disappointing if you are a you know Saints fan. But more importantly, do you want to then go out and spend the money on Derek Carr? And and Derek Carr is not bad. Like Derek Carr is a step above fine, right? Like I just said, Jimmy G, Danny Dimes, they're fine. Derek Carr is is a, is a step, maybe a half step above that, right? And Andy Dalton to me is the epitome of just fine. He's just fine, right? Vanilla ice cream. I've, I've used that analogy before. Um, Derek Carr, and I, I was thinking about this from like a Madden's grade. Like if, if you put Andy Dalton at like a 75 in Madden, Derek Carr is like an 82. You yeah. know, it's like, hey, we're, we're yeah. it's mar- it's better. It's marginally better. And and Andy Dalton yeah. was actually a pretty good quarterback last year, statistically. Yeah. Like he was now efficient. you're speaking my language. <laughs> right. And, and and now you're going to at least get Derek Carr some weapons. I love Chris Olave. I don't think Michael Thomas has anything left. Um, Treadwell right now seems to be hitting free agency. Doesn't look like the Saints are going to bring him back, but maybe they go out and get someone else. Their offensive lineman that they drafted in the first round last year, uh, I think he had turf toe or something in his Liz Frank, ended up missing the majority of the season, didn't even really get a chance to play. Penning, I think his name was. Um, the kid from like North Dakota State, maybe it was, mm-hmm. it was like an FCS school. Um, so you're going to get him back. You know, may, maybe the offensive line's a little bit better. May, the defense should be okay. Um, but to me, again, it's, it's a move to stay in that eight to, you know, seven to, to nine win range, which is fine. It keeps you competitive, keeps the ticket sales high, gives you something to sell as an organization. Um, I don't think it elevates them to any sort of level that, that meets contenders. Um, all right. Uh, and let's finish up here and we'll take a quick break. Uh, Scotty Tua, you're left with Tua. Hit me with your thoughts. So <clears throat> the case four is continuity. Really, that's it. I mean, look, you you see what he's done on the field. You've seen Mike McDaniel's commitment to him. Um, you 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 understand that that's the guy that they had chosen uh, at the beginning of last year to go forward with, and they made it to the playoffs. And their team got better uh, already in the off season. So this is this is the commitment to uh, to him. There is no real upside for this for me. I, he should not be on a football field. Period. Point blank, because of his health, and I think that was part of the consideration of the extension or picking up the option uh, before they they did that. So uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, uh, great football player, um, great career, uh, in both in college and uh, and in the NFL, uh, has has done a lot of things that very few people can say that they that they've done. But that man should not be on a football field. I'm sorry. Oh. To play devil's advocate, at least, like it's not too dissimilar to Andrew Luck. Like Andrew yeah. Luck had a ton of concussions, like super early in his career too. I think the difference is, at least the way that I, it feels like, but from where you're coming from, is like Andrew Luck was six five and built like a brick shit house, and we didn't feel like he was helpless back there, right? And there is something about when you have a smaller quarterback, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who are off Bryce Young in this upcoming draft for the same reason. When you have a guy that that that's that small, you know, are are you potentially putting him in in significant danger? Um, yep. I, I, at this point, I don't I don't think I, I don't think anybody thinks that. I mean, like I understand where you're coming from, and like personally, like you wouldn't do it if you were him. But he's a competitor. He's an athlete. Yeah, like he's going to go out sure. and do it. And and I think too, like to go to the team side of it, like I understand why they're doing it. I also would have understood if they said, "Hey, we're not going to do this, and we're going to go out and." make a trade and send you to Baltimore and we're going to go get Lamar Jackson. 
Well, that's the other, that's the other negative for me here too, is that it, it sort of takes you out of that. Um, takes you out of the Lamar, but th- there will yeah. be another quarterback, you know, th- there'll be somebody out there who, um, who, you know, who hits that kind of wall of, of that next disgruntled, you know, guy. I mean, hell, yeah. even if it's a guy like, Hey, you know, Kyler Murray tore his ACL this year. We all know how I feel about him, but I, I honestly, I'd probably feel better about throwing Kyler Murray back there than Tua. You know, and at least with with Kyler Murray, you know, he's going to be able to escape and not take a whole bunch of hits. And his ACL tear was a little fluky this year it was non contact, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, that's it's a real concern. It's a real concern. Mentioning say uh, some breaking news here as well. Before we take a quick break, Jesse Bates, the safety from the Cincinnati Bengals is expected to sign a four year, sixty four million dollar deal with the Atlanta Falcons. Twenty three million guaranteed. Falcons, Falcons um, making a couple moves on defense, too. Yeah, a couple of moves. Uh, They're one of the teams with high cap space. Big loss for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, So already we're seeing at least two of the teams from the AFC-NFC championship games with some major losses with the Bengals and the Eagles. All right, let's take a quick break. Go ahead, Von Von Bell also. Von Bell. So they they lost both safeties. Yes. That's tough. Uh, yeah, and, and what was a very formative uh, secondary that did a really good job guarding Patrick Mahomes, and you don't see a whole lot of teams do that. I know that personally, uh, and Scotty does as well. So mm-hmm. uh, let's uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. I want to hit Rodgers and Lamar. Those are the quarterbacks that are unsigned, and then we also have some other kind of whatever other moves that we haven't talked on we're going to touch on. Take a break. We'll do that, and then we have our tournament preview, uh, our general reactions on the other side. All right, let's uh, switch on. So we just talked about the quarterbacks that have signed. We talked about the trades that have gone through. Let's talk about the quarterbacks that have not signed and haven't moved yet. First on that list, there's two names. Like we know, it's Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. But I want to start with Lamar because the Lamar thing is very weird. Um, and there's part of me that wants to put the conspiracy hat on and go, this is collusion. This is the NFL owner's response to the Deshaun Watson situation. No one wants to match a contract because look, when one quarterback and we saw the same thing happen with Kirk cousins, when one, the first quarterback to ask for a fully guaranteed contract was Kirk cousins. Right. And I remember doing a pod at the time. And I remember talking to people around the NFL at the time and saying, this is going to open the floodgate, right? There's going to be more quarterbacks who are asking for less total money, but more guaranteed, but it's going to be fully guaranteed. And that seemed to be the consensus. Like that was going to happen. And what was interesting is after Kirk Cousins hit free agency, went to Minnesota, did that. We didn't see another fully guaranteed contract in the NFL. Not until Deshaun Watson. Now I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, that's collusion, whatever. It just means that there's probably a good chance that when that happened and that deal happened, that there were a lot of people in the NFL, particularly general general managers and owners who put their foot down and said, look, we are not in the business of giving fully guaranteed contracts. And it didn't happen again until this very weird, completely unique one-off situation with Deshaun Watson came around where he told Cleveland, you guys are off the table. Remember that a couple days before the trade with Deshaun Watson, it was like, I'm not signing with Cleveland. And then a day later he went to Cleveland. And the difference was Cleveland did the thing that Minnesota did a few years later, but just on a exponential level, which was we're going to give you a 200 and whatever million dollar contract. 30, it's going to be, yeah. Two, yeah, it's going to be fully guaranteed. So I do believe 
based off of what the only other evidence we have, which is the Kirk Cousins fully guaranteed contract, the rest of the NFL does not want to deal in fully guaranteed contracts. There's too much injury involved. There's too much volatility. Uh, and also, if you give a fully guaranteed contract, there's no guarantee that's going to work out for them. And we already saw, at least in year one with Deshaun Watson, he did not look great. Again, extenuating circumstances could be different. But I do believe that the circles within the NFL saw that deal and said, we don't want to be put in that situation. We don't want to be put in a situation where we give Daniel Jones or we give Lamar Jackson or we give Jalen Hurts or any of these guys fully guaranteed contracts. Now, I do believe we'll see more of the Patrick Mahomes model, which was a longer-term deal where the dead cap money, the out, as it were, is only five years in, but the overall life of the contract is more expensive. Um, but that protects you for TV contracts and whatnot. But now we're sitting here in this middle zone where Lamar Jackson's available for anyone for the taking for two first rounders. The first overall pick this year went for two first rounders, a stud wide receiver and two second rounders. Yeah. And we don't know if any of the quarterbacks are going to be good in this class. I said on the pod last week, one of my predictions for the future, I don't think any of the quarterbacks are going to be good in this year's class. I, I, I genuinely don't. I have significant questions about all of them. The only one that I have the most faith in would be CJ Stroud. But even with CJ Stroud, I have a lot of questions. So you have a chance to get a proven MVP, a guy who has scored 87 touchdowns on his own. The next closest is in the 50s. Like total touchdowns this guy scored. Adds 14 points per game to the team that's had him. His, their their points per game over the, the course of his career in Baltimore with him 28 points a game without him 14 points a game so he's worth two touchdowns per game the fact that nobody is willing to give up two firsts and then a big contract tells me a couple of things number one either the NFL is out on doing these fully guaranteed contracts as a result of what we saw with Deshaun Watson last year or Lamar Jackson is asking for stuff that is completely outside of the realm of realistic and possible. And either way, it makes me feel like what's ultimately going to happen. And this was my prediction was that Lamar Jackson won't be playing in a Ravens uniform this year, but I also think there's a good chance he doesn't play in any uniform this year. Uh, I listen, I listen, I listen to Joe Banner, the old Eagles exec. Of course. He's a legend, right? He was on Rich Eisen's podcast. Like the and, original cat magician. Yes. And he was talking about this. And and what he said, he said something interesting, which enlightened Rich Eisen. So I didn't feel bad not knowing it, uh, <laughs> which was that most quarterbacks or elite players at any position, he said specifically when you're 25, he's like, it's a very narrow thing. But when you're 25 years old and you're, you know, your deal comes up, and you sign a monster deal, he said almost all of them get all of the all of the money, whether it's guaranteed or not. He's like, that's the age, 25, when you sign a big deal, you make almost all of that money. So he said, I don't know why Lamar is getting so hung up on what's guaranteed or not. In addition to that, right, the non-exclusive. Okay, the, the, basically the Ravens said, all right, market, someone else outbid us and we'll match it, right? Someone else try. And, and to your point, I think, there's got to be something on Lamar's side where it's like, man, I don't know what's going on. Obviously him. And I think his mom are representing him. And that's, that's awesome. Like uh, there's, there's definitely power to that just of like not having a huge percentage of your overall money going to someone else when you could probably do this yourself. Cause you're that good. Um, but 
you know, there are drawbacks. I don't know. We're not, I'm not in these NFL circles. I don't know idea. I don't want to speculate on all that and what that could mean. But what I do know is that all those, all those ability to say like, Oh, the player walks out, your agent runs back in and has a quick conversation, right? Like you having another person doing this, that's not so tied to the player helps in a lot of ways. And what I do think, and Joe Banner had mentioned was like, again, he, he recommends a lot of players actually represent themselves. It's awesome. But what he did say was that because you're probably going to see all this money, whether it's guaranteed or not, if, if that's what he's hung up on, then it's, it's probably not reasonable to be. And number two, he said, you know, there's not that many guaranteed contracts out there, but at the same time, I, he didn't think that a team would be that upset about giving guaranteed money either because again, he's 25. So what is really the hangup here? And we don't have any insight into this negotiation, which is why you could see at the end of the year, like Harbaugh getting, you know, a little shorter in his conferences, asking about Lamar and all this other stuff, knowing this front office shit's going on. It's gotta be, I don't know. It's gonna be eating that team alive. And I think to your point, if he plays this year, I think it will be in a Ravens uniform. I, I think that, but I don't, I don't know if he'll play at all. Well, that's part of it, too, is I think based off what we've seen from Lamar, I think it's more likely that he doesn't play. And it's more of a Le'Veon Bell situation where he just yeah. holds out rather than signing the, the the franchise tag. And and Lamar is one of the few players. And I remember when Le'Veon went through this and I, I said at the time, I said it was a bad idea. Yeah, I said Le'Veon was asking for running back and wide receiver money, which I understand his argument for it, but it was just never going to happen. So. In that context, that was kind of where I was coming from. However, I will say, and to go further to further your point and what Joe Banner was saying on that podcast, it's not just the like, hey, you had a negotiation room, and then you know a couple hours later, the agent hops on the phone with the GM and they have a conversation. It's the back channeling, right? It's the hey, this conversation isn't going well. These things aren't going well we think we're going to go to a non-exclusive tag, which I guarantee you Baltimore brought up months ago. Yes. You know, they didn't just decide on this the day of, they knew months ago that this was probably the route that they were going to go if they couldn't come to an agreement. So if that was the case, that agent would be able to work the back channels and figure out what teams would be willing to make these deals. Deshaun Watson didn't play for a, a, a year. Right. And yet, they, he, there were multiple teams bidding out the ass to try to get Deshaun Watson. Lamar Jackson, I think, would have found the money he would have wanted, but those deals take time, and it takes your agent reaching out to other places, figuring out, hey, this is where the situation is going. And it might be a little hush-hush, might be a little bit under the wire, but like that is how this stuff gets done ultimately. It happens all across the league. They would have found a team that would have been willing to give either a higher percentage of guaranteed money or a number that was closer to what Lamar was looking for before the tag gets hit. Instead, Lamar's representing himself. He's contractually not allowed to talk to other teams. So then his first opportunity to talk to these teams, right. if it's all by the book, assuming because players and agents operate very differently, agents can work those back channels. Players can't really do that. That's why you have agents. So, Lamar realistically, again, and this is a little bit of assuming here, but realistically, Lamar didn't have his first conversations with teams until after the tag was put on him, which is putting him so far behind the eight ball that he's just not really realistically going to be in a spot where he can get that deal that he's looking for. That being said, I still think it's asinine that there are teams like the Panthers, like the Colts, 
like the you know like the Raiders or Falcons who or even the Dolphins who who have this amazing roster who could benefit by having Lamar Jackson with Mike McDaniel. It's amazing to me that none of those teams have decided or San Francisco as Scotty's pointing to himself. It's amazing to me that none of these teams are willing and, and not just unwilling, but within 10 minutes, within the first hour for sure, but within the first 10 minutes of this news being broke, it was Jeff Darlington saying the Miami Dolphins are not interested. The Falcons are not interested. The Texans are not interested. Commanders, not the interested. commanders are not interested. Why the fuck yeah. are the commanders not interested? Like <laughs> none of that stuff. And part of, part of that might just be because of ownership and the change that we're going to see here in the next couple of weeks. But that part of it to me is just as baffling. And I think not having a, a, an agent though, you're right, Vito, like you get a way bigger piece of the pie. I, I think they, I think he kind of set himself up behind the eight ball a little bit. And now he's in a spot where it's like, all right, he's going to have to either bet on himself on a franchise tag tag year, make $36 million or whatever it is, and then move on. Um, but then again, if Baltimore wants to tag him again, they can do that too. So, and what I don't get is like the whole point of being an agent, right? You save five or 10% of the money. Like, let's say it's 10. I don't know what agent fees are, but I watched entourage. They said 10. I think so, it's, a, I think it's a little lower than 10, but it is a yeah. big number. Okay. So let's say it's even five. If you're saving, if let's say you get a $200 million deal or something like that over four years or something, right? Um, even more than that probably is what he's going to end up getting 231, whatever. But the point is, is that whatever it is, you're basically saying all you can make a 5% reduction in cost and still make the same money because you're getting all of that. So yeah. fighting for every dollar isn't worth it when you're representing yourself. The, the reason you represent yourself is just get a deal done knowing you probably left a little on the table, but you're keeping a lot more. So it's a win-win. That's the only reason you do this. So like the fact that he did it and then didn't get a deal done is just the worst case scenario for him representing himself. Like this is the end day. Like Wednesday when they can this whole thing starts and, and they already kind of put it on him, like it's over. Like this was yeah. a, this is now a bad choice. And, and quickly, because I want to get to Scotty's thoughts here too, but on top of that, there's a reason why Joe Banner, who no longer works in the NFL, feels that way because a lot of general managers and, and former front office people like they side with the players because they I honestly from a personal perspective, I think it's because they have guilt knowing that they took money away from people who probably earned it. But more and more, the league wants this to happen to Lamar. Whether whether you want to admit it or not, whether you have all the facts, the league wants this. They don't want players to try to control this because ultimately the NFL has been about this for a very long time. The NFL likes control. Teams, front, that's why they don't like giving out fully guaranteed contracts. That's why they they fight so hard to keep the franchise tag because it gives, it's only, it's you know what it is? It's, it's the house in Vegas, right? It's the house yeah. in a casino. The house always wins. And that's how the NFL has always operated. They are the house. And yeah, you might be able to go play craps where it's a true 50-50 split. And that's the one case where the house isn't the one that has the overall odds skewed towards their favor but other than that the house always wins and the nfl in this case is the house and so now with lamar this is the example of the guy who thinks that they can take down vegas that thinks that they can take down blackjack and the truth is you can't do it or maybe you can't but you got to be able to read cards and you're going to need an agent or a teammate to be able to read those cards without getting caught and for lamar He's getting caught, and it sucks because Lamar is so good. He's so likable. There should be seven, eight, nine teams pouncing at the chance to get Lamar Jackson, but that's not how the NFL operates. And I think there's a little bit of 
uh, especially from the ownership perspective of like, hey, there were doubts about your ability as a quarterback, like a true NFL quarterback when you were coming into the league. And maybe some of them are like, you still haven't proven that to me. And why? Because they guarantee this money on the back end on their defense to shore up uh, to everything in Baltimore. That's what they've done. That's they have they won Super Bowls that way. Um, and then there's no money left to go get the elite receivers uh, and and skill players around Lamar that will help him be successful. Didn't matter. Lamar still won an MVP doing that. And he goes to the playoffs every year doing that. So uh, I, I don't get it. I, and I think a, a part of this for Lamar, too, is looking at take that. We just talked about the Daniel Jones contract. You think Lamar Jackson's yeah. looking at that contract and going, that guy got four years and 82 million guaranteed? Nine, no, 92. Fuck that. 92 million guaranteed. I, yeah. And, and I, if I'm Lamar, I'm going like, no. So uh, pay up. Okay. Well, Whoever it is, I don't care because that I'm worth way more than that. And to add on to that, and this is perfect serendipitous timing here, I'm, I have NFL Network up behind me, and they just flashed something up on the screen. There have been three quarterbacks in the NFL since 2005 who have been franchise tagged, who then went on to sign a long-term deal uh, with the same team or another team. Two of the three moved on to a new team. One stayed. Drew Brees in 2005 with the Chargers. Kirk Cousins in 16-17 happened two different years. He then left. Uh, Drew Brees famously leaves to go to New Orleans, six years, $60 million. Kirk Cousins leaves, gets three years, $84 million, fully guaranteed with Minnesota. And then Dak Prescott in 2020 then signed the four-year, 160 deal. Dak Prescott got the same deal that Danny Dimes did. And we all know, crazy. We all know my thoughts on Dak. Dak is so far and ahead better than Danny Dimes. It's not even yeah. fucking. It's not even and Lamar Jackson's on a different planet compared to those two. Yeah, and Lamar's so, on a whole nother level, right? So even if he does play on this, there's still a higher percent chance because this is going back 18 years. We've only had three quarterbacks be franchise tagged that then went on to sign a long-term deal. Two of them found new teams. One of them stayed, and that contract has been haunting Dallas even since. Not saying that it's like Dak has been terrible, but Dak hasn't been good enough uh, for what they needed, and that franchise tag deal ended up not actually being all that good for you know, because that was the year that Dak broke his ankle and, and we didn't see him at all. Um, yeah, just a really, really weird situation for Lamar. Um, I know, so, so I said, I don't think Lamar, I don't think we see Lamar play this year if a deal doesn't get done, which I don't think it will, but if a deal doesn't get done, uh, either trade or long term deal. I don't think we see Lamar Jackson play this year. I don't think he plays under the tag. Vito, you think he might play under the tag, but we also might not see him. Um, I think he'll only play if he signs. But to your point, yeah, it would be with the Ravens or bust. uh, Scotty, what would be your prediction for Lamar for this? I just I'm going to swing the. I'm going to swing the other way. I'm going to say he's fully fed up with the Ravens. They don't agree to a deal. He turns around, gives them the finger, says, screw you. It's been great. Bye. Good luck winning without me. The only person who you built your offense around, the only person who's gotten you to the playoffs, uh, each of uh, on offense, at least for for uh, my tenure as as your quarterback. Bye. Good luck getting back there now. Um, and I think he goes to to a place like uh, like Atlanta, who's obviously making moves in the free agent market. They've already seen said so that far they're today. out on them, though. Like, that's yeah, the thing. But- it's like these teams that could – use Lamar Jackson are are pulling themselves out of the race but before it seems like they've even done their due diligence it's fine is, come to the Niners crazy to me. or at least well, he, he comes to the Scotty, Niners for a Super Scotty, Bowl it's, team Scotty it's funny you say that because 
the 49ers have just signed a quarterback. Oh, yeah. A one-year deal with Sam Darnold. Oh, baby. So, Slinging uh, Sammy's coming to the Bay. How about that? <laughs> how Real quick, because I, I do want to get to the Aaron Rodgers thing, unless you guys have more on Lamar, because I think, I mean, for the most part, it just feels like we're up in the air with Lamar, and, and that's as much as we can kind of do with it. Um, how are you feeling with a quarterback room going into 2023 of Trey Lance, uh, Brock Purdy, and Sam Darnold? Um, not great, Bob. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Sam Darnold probably has the I I I kind of want to see Sam Darnold play for the Niners. If he was not, able well, to get CJ Beathard to win games and and Nick Mullins and Brock Purdy, and Brock Purdy winning games, <laughs> Sam Darnold's way more talented than those guys. Well, that's from, the thing is like at, at this point you're going to have a competition, right? Because uh, Brock Purdy just had his surgery, so he should be back by OTAs. Trey Lance is going to be good to go by OTAs, so. Um, he's not right now. Be, he just had, dude, he just had Tommy John surgery. He's not oh, throwing a football till like week four. It's not Tommy John. It wasn't. Yeah. It was his UCL. Yeah. It was like, yeah, but it, it, it wasn't it the reconstruction. Fully, oh, okay. It was it repairing. Fully, yeah. Tommy John. Okay. With a better one. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, I think training camp is, is wishful thinking for, for Brock, but I, I, mean, I agree. Yeah. That whoever's going to be opening, that's going to be a great, situation to follow who's going to be the opening day quarterback for the Niners I mean we we started talking about that after the Eagles beat him in the NFC championship game and mm-hmm. we're probably not going to stop talking about it until week one I, I feel like it's, it's going to be, be that, me it's going to be that close of a call I bet you Sam Darnold does well there I bet you oh, I could well, see yeah. I could see a I little mean, career God's sake, I hope he never sees the field I hope so. I hope he won't. Shanahan's he'll, proven he can he can put anyone back there. It doesn't hey, matter. You know, except West, Christian McCaffrey. The West Coast has less ghosts on it than the East Coast, so I'm sure Sam Darnold will be fine. He won't see any ghosts out there in San Francisco. It's always sunny out there. All right, uh, let's uh, let's talk about the other quarterback who has not moved yet. But um, all all signs point to Aaron Rodgers moving on to the Jets. So um, for this exercise, let's at least pretend like Rodgers is going to. New York, right? Because it seems like barring anything last minute, this deal is going to get done within the next couple of days. Uh, and we can talk about more in depth as uh, you know, as we find out more concrete information. But what does Aaron Rodgers adding, what does he add to the Jets realistically that could potentially change what their expectations should be going into next season? Because I, 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 the roster is good. It's still really young. Um, obviously like you have some weapons there. Garrett Wilson's good. Um, I, I don't love the rest of that roster, um, in terms of weapons to, for Aaron Rodgers to throw to, you're going to get back, uh, Oh, the running back from Iowa state who's Brees Hall. Brees Hall. Thank you. Getting Brees Hall back, uh, though, ACL tear, who's to say what he's going to look like going in the next year. Um, does Aaron Rodgers just, cause the thing is, is if you told me this team, the New York Jets, right? We'll just call them Team X in this context with the roster, coaching staff, pieces, all that stuff is playing in the NFC North or the NFC South. I'd say, yeah, they have a chance to make it to the NFC Championship game. But the problem is they have to get past Kansas City. They have to get past Buffalo. They have to get past Cincinnati, uh, Miami. I don't know if I see them being able to do that. So uh, where do you guys see realistically... Uh, this this New York Jets team ending up if the Rodgers deal ends up getting done. I mean, I do like uh, they they ran the ball extremely well last year. They had uh, Garrett Wilson's awesome. 
So I think that this could end up being a slam dunk offensively. If the defense can keep it together, I think they can make a deep run, but I don't, I don't see them to your point. I mean, maybe it would be fun to see them compete against some of those quarterbacks, but I don't think they're, they're going to make it to the Super Bowl from the AFC. Yeah. AFC is hard to, uh, for sure to get through. It's a gauntlet and, and that division is apparently going to be a gauntlet. Um, so you know, having a, a what they get to answer your question, Jeff, is a proven commodity, a quarterback who wins and gets you uh, at least into the playoffs. Uh, one of the one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen do it, frankly, and for sure the best quarterback. Uh, well, yeah, I, I would say for sure the best quarterback in Jets history uh, without having taken a snap. Joe Namath uh, might be the only argument there. I mean, if you, um, if you give resume, I mean, but we're talking about Rodgers is turning 40 years old this upcoming true. season. True, yeah. So I, is 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers, because that's the version that will have, that's like in his bio, that's the Jets quarterback, Aaron Rodgers will be that. If you're talking about resume, I mean, Brett Favre, Rodgers, I mean, they're right there, right? They're both yeah. in that same lore. Chad um, Pennington, oh, Chad, best Jets quarterback Vinny Testaverde. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but but another part of this too is what they've had to give up. I mean, a lot of what what the the boon of of the Jets' offense last year was was their depth, and they had sixteen different guys to to be able to make plays. Brees Hall goes down. Uh, uh, Braxton Berrios, who was a playmaker and speedster, uh, got cut because of this. But ostensibly, the move before the move uh, to clear space for uh, for an Aaron Rodgers contract. Um, and stuff like that that I think is where they missed the mark, right? It's if you can keep all of that and get Aaron Rodgers when you were a quarterback away, now you've got the quarterback and you're no longer away. Yeah. I mean, I guess my overall thoughts on it are it makes you better. But the question I ask is, are we seeing Rodgers of last year? Are we seeing Rodgers of two or three years ago where he won back-to-back MVPs going? Like, think about the Aaron Rodgers we were talking about a year ago. Flashback, one yeah. year ago. He was the two-time reigning MVP of the National Football League, playing arguably some of the best football he's ever played, and that's saying a lot considering the career of Aaron Rodgers. And yet, he came out and had one of his worst years ever. Now, we know Rodgers and- to be quite fickle emotionally. We know that he isn't always the most consistent guy in the way that he acts. Uh, and, and I don't know. And it's probably unfair to assume that the off the field stuff was affecting his on field play. I think given someone of his stature, we should at least give him the benefit of the doubt that he is able to separate those two and compartmentalize that shit. But I also look at Aaron Rodgers right now. And I think, is the Jets in 2023 really that much better of a situation than what he just had in Green Bay? AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, that's better running back room than Brees Hall. They're not they're not re-signing James Robinson, so that that's out the window. Wide receiver room, Randall Cobb, not great, pass way past his prime. But Christian Watson came on as an absolute burner. Remember, he had that stretch of what, like eight straight weeks with a touchdown or something yeah. to close out the regular season? Obviously. Garrett Wilson was more consistent his rookie year than Christian Watson, but either way, your best wide receiver option is a second-year wide receiver who showed some promise in his rookie year. Same thing in both sides. Elijah Moore, decent player. Offensive line, I'd probably give the edge to Green Bay. I don't think... I mean, you could say Nathan Peterman, having him back as your offensive coordinator, the two of them work together, maybe that helps. But Nathaniel Hackett. 
Sorry, thank you, Nathan Peterman. My God, <laughs> I traded a quarterback. They're they're the quarterback and head coach version of each other, though. Um, That's pretty accurate. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got my Nathaniel's mixed up. Uh, but Nathaniel Hackett as the offensive coordinator there, I'd still rather have Mike Lef- or uh, Matt Lafleur calling plays than I would rather have Nathaniel Hackett. But maybe that relationship is better. I just don't see the situation being that much better, other than. The Jets' defense is better than Green Bay's, so that is a plus. But you're also trading that for going into a conference that is significantly harder to win football games and definitely to win football games in the postseason. And I think that's it. It's got to be – there has to be something else, which is what why we haven't heard it yet. Like, what else is Aaron asking for when he goes there? Because to your point, it is pretty even. I do like – I like their wide receivers a little more. Defense is better, but there's pros and cons. There has to be something else. Whether that's, hey, you know, the massive amount of money you're going to get for more endorsements, but you're Aaron Rodgers. It didn't matter if you're in Green Bay or New York or wherever. Yeah. You're still a staging room, perhaps. <laughs> but what uh, the other thing I can think of is that it's like, hey, all right, here are the other players that I want, right? Everyone's linked him and like Adam Thielen. They work out all the time. They're good buddies. Thielen was cut. So they, they can both go to a team together. Maybe there's another someone else that, that like this is a group thing where he's trying to get some other folks. Maybe that's why we haven't heard this drop yet. Cause I'm not so sure they have like, they're going to go get them. Cause the thing that Aaron always didn't like, right. Is that green Bay would never go make a splurge at receiver or anything like that is what we hear. So I wonder if that's actually one of the things to your point, Jeff of like, Hey, this isn't better. So unless you do something like this that I approve of, I got a good situation back in green Bay. I love the idea of, I love the idea of, uh, Woody Johnson and, and his entourage sitting in a room with Aaron Rodgers, just like half baked and Rodgers just saying, David Bakhtiari, go get him. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Randall Cobb be- will be our fifth wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. Just put him on special teams. Right. Jordy Nelson is, is back in the league. You will sign him to a three year, <laughs> $30 million deal. <laughs> Uh, NFL Network just scared the shit out of me because it, it it said Eagles signed quarterback Nick Foles a two year eleven million dollar contract and I was like what and it was on this date in 2017 and I was like oh, oh shit. my god <laughs> I was like woo I was like all right how we how he's drinking a little too much of that 2017 Kool Aid man I know we were close but goddamn all right no that was uh, that just scared me no I'm a hundred percent I understand where you're coming from there uh, Vita I just I don't. I don't think it has anything to do with the situation. And that's the reason I brought it up is because on paper, the situation is at best the same, right? If anything, it's harder to do it in the AFC. You can look at the defense and say, Hey, the defense gives us a better chance to win. And you can also say, yeah, but the defense in the NFC with green Bay is better and good enough to at least give you a chance to win. I think this is a hundred percent personal. I think all of the essentially, you know what they did? I'm going to use another one of these classic Jeff analogies. This was when he signed the extension last year with Green Bay. That was a couple who's on the rocks. And they say, hey, you know what we should do? In a moment, that's like good. They say, you know what we should do? Let's get a puppy. Let's get a puppy. Come on. It'd be so cute. We can take it on walks. We can go to the park with it. We can walk it around town. People come up. It'll be great. We can put it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. People will love it. It'll be good. They, They got a puppy. But a year later... The relationship was still shit. So it didn't matter that you got a fucking puppy. All you got to deal now is who's paying for the puppy moving forward. And so he signed the contract, the extension that's going to keep him in green Bay for the next three, four years. And now they realized, Hey, 
this doesn't work. I'm not happy. My issue was with you all along. Your issue was with me all along. Let's move on. But we got to figure out now who's paying for the puppy. And the puppy right now is that contract (laughs) extension. It's either going to be the Packers or the New York Jets. And I'm telling you now, it's going to be the New York Jets because that just makes way too much sense. There's been too much smoke around it. It's just a matter of time. They're probably waiting for the league new year, but it's going to happen. They're figuring out compensation. It's going to get done. But essentially, they bought a puppy together to try to save the relationship. And now... The tax, the, the bill's coming up because someone's going to keep the puppy and the other one's going to be out the puppy. And that's where we're at. That's where we're at with Aaron Rodgers. And it's going to be the New York Jets. And I'll tell you what, I the thing I love most about this, and I think I, I said this at some point. I remember if it was right around Super Bowl or whatever. The fact that he is just replicating Brett Favre's career after hating him as long as he did, resenting him, making him sit for three years, all that stuff that Jordan Love is doing right now that he was never going to pass along, right? It's it's crazy to me. And it ultimately turns into the the Michael Caine line from the Batman, right? Like, you either die a hero or live, live long enough to see yourself become the villain or whatever that line is. That's what Aaron Rodgers is doing. He's become the villain that he ultimately hated when he first started and was a rookie. And I think the poetic beauty in that is just off the fucking charts. Um, all right. Before we take a, our last break and get to the NCAA tournament, there's been some a bunch of moves. Obviously, we've tracked some of them today as they came in. Uh, since we've been recording, Patrick Peterson going to the Pittsburgh Steelers on a two-year deal. Uh, the Cowboys, Seahawks, both looking to bring uh, – the Seahawks looking to bring back Bobby Wagner – uh, which is interesting as well. A lot of smaller deals. Your Broncos bringing in Jarrett Stidham. Uh, surprised. I had talked about last week. I thought, hey, maybe the Raiders are just going to roll with Jarrett Stidham after how well he looked last year. Um, Sean Payton got his hands on that. Good backup. Tremaine Edmonds, we talked about earlier, going to the Bears. Um, out of the deals, trades, reports, anything that's come up, I want to give you each an opportunity to drop. Whatever you have, empty the clip on some of the stuff we have here, and then we'll take a break. So, uh, Scotty, you looked eager there when I said that. So, Scotty, we'll start with you. Yeah, it's the biggest. I think one of the biggest free sign, uh, free agent signings uh, in Fuck the off you. season so far is uh, <laughs> is getting your guy Javon Hargrave. Uh, at least it's one of the elite uh, interior ruts, and we see we see this a lot in in off seasons, right? When you look at the two teams that got to the to the Super Bowl, right, and the Niners were right there; they were in the game game before the game. When you look at the two teams, what are the patterns, right? Copycat league. We talk about what's going to happen next year is teams going to uh, start to bolster their offensive line, uh, bolster their interior defensive line, uh, make sure they have a quarterback who, who is a legit dual threat uh, and, and is a good thrower. Um, all these things start to uh, start to coalesce as the year goes on um, and, and the off season goes on. So uh, this is one of the things, right? Niners, Already had a, a good pass rush. They get even better on the interior side of the ball with Javon Hargrave. I'm a little disappointed, though, uh, that it's a it's a decent contract, four years, $80 million. But uh, the thing is, you know, we have other areas of weaknesses in the secondary. I'm seeing cornerbacks flying off the board, safeties flying off the free agent board, uh, offensive linemen, another weakness for the Niners, uh, flying off the board. Um, so we'll, we'll see if, if – I'm sure John Lynch can, can engineer something. Uh, but but uh, we've we've got a lot in uh, in a big talent name in in uh, in Jordan Hargrave. You don't even know his, you don't even know his name. Javon Hargrave. Sorry. Yeah. yeah fuck you. You don't deserve Javon Hargrave. Now, honestly, <laughs> on, honestly, I know. Better. 
Javon, I love Javon Hargrave. He was, I think, the best free agent signing that Howie made over the last three years. I mean, he came from Pittsburgh. He was completely overshadowed because of uh, 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 what's his name? Cam Hayward. Thank you. It was Cameron something. Um, And he was just a stud, and we got him for cheap, and he played two phenomenal years, uh, and they weren't able to keep him, man. And he deserves the bag that he got. I think he's better than Deron Payne, uh, and Deron Payne got a $90 million deal, uh, the highest not, uh, defensive lineman not named uh, Aaron Donald or interior defensive lineman not named Aaron Donald to get that big of a contract. So um, good for Deron Payne. But, um, yeah, I think it's a great deal for San Francisco. And yeah, now you I, got Eric, I mean, the- Eric Armstead, Bosa, and um, Javon Hargrave, that's a as formidable a front. And I think what we're seeing here between Darnold – obviously, and then Brock and, and Trey Lance, whatever, whoever's going to win that battle um, is we're going to see that the Niners are going to keep rolling on defense. They lost the defensive coordinator, um, but they're going to try to keep continuity because the the replacement was in-house, correct, Scotty? Correct, or, yeah. yeah. So they're going to try to keep the same thing rolling there um, and getting someone like Javon Hargrave is a, a big deal. Uh, anyone else for you, Scotty, that you want to bring in before we switch over to Vito? Let him release the clip. Uh, no, I love the Von Bell deal. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds with the Bears that makes a, a hell of a lot of sense for yeah uh, for that franchise. Um, yeah, the the Bears bringing in two. So it's interesting. So I tried to look up the deal because the, the deal with for Tremaine Edmonds is expensive, but they get Tremaine Edmonds and they get T.J. Edwards. We haven't seen the yeah. details on T.J. Edwards, but this is a franchise that was nineteen million for three years. So was very it? Good wow. Deal. I mean, yeah. So um, they just gave up Roquan Smith. Uh, obviously they got some assets back and then they turned their free agency capital into two really, really good interior linebackers um, for honestly, not that much more than what they were going to pay one. Uh, mm-hmm. The Tremaine Edmonds deal is not too far off from uh, Ro- what Roquan Smith got. Um, but now you're pairing him with another really, really good interior linebacker. So the linebacking room in Chicago as you know, per usual, that's what we know Chicago for those linebackers. Uh, it is continuing to do well. So good call there. And I'll, I'll touch on TJ Edwards in a second. Uh, Vito, empty the clip. What have you seen free agency as of right now? Again, uh, on Thursday's pod, we're going to record Wednesday. So Thursday's pod will have a lot more uh, reaction when free agency actually opens up. But uh, anything you got you want to empty up the clip on? Uh, a couple veteran moves. Um, Clayus Campbell getting released. Yeah. Jason Kelsey coming back. Like those are two major forces online. And and like we've been talking about copycat league, the lines of all of these teams that are making it far have all been really, really great in the last couple of years. So um, to follow up on that theme, I'm loving the Broncos. We signed Ben powers, the Ravens guard. He allowed zero sacks last year. It might be the best pass uh, blocking guard in the NFL um, pair him with, uh, with your boy, Mike McGlitchy, uh, who, Right tackle. Um, yeah. He, Pride he of Warrington up, PA. That's yeah. right. And he, uh, he had a five-year deal. So, you know, he's 28. We're basically setting ourselves up to say, Hey, Russell, here's your offensive line for the next couple of years. And I'm glad that, uh, Patton and, and Sean Payton are getting together, uh, our GM and our coach, just obviously getting, getting all this stuff done. So I think that to me has been kind of the, the biggest deal, uh, you know, chief signing Jawan Taylor, 80 million, yeah. So well, we're, real quick, while, while we're on your Broncos, though, though, Vito, real quick on the Gra- Dan Graziano reporting, all three wide receivers uh, being potentially, they're not all going to be shopped. There's a chance right. all three of them stay. 
Um, but there's also a chance at least one of them ends up going. Uh, thoughts on that? Do you have a particular pairing of the two of the three you'd want to keep? Because uh, we talked about this in the break a little bit. It, it's it's a tough thing to try to figure out with those three because they all bring a little something different. They all have one of them's higher cap hit. One of them's going to be uh, has a little more upside. One of them's cheaper. You know, is, is there a particular combination you would like to see come back? Yeah, so it's a good question because, uh, listen, when you talk about cap space, Cortland Sutton is second in cap space on the entire team behind Russell Wilson. So if yeah. we move him, we do save a lot and it allows us to open up more deals um, as well as probably the compensation backs the best. But then, you know, what are you doing to wow. Russell? And, and and that's the thing. Yeah, and if Judy can get you the most, I would deal Judy and get the most if that's the case. But the cap number for Cortland right now is 18, but we already have seven in dead cap. So it's like 25 extra right now. Um, yeah. we could save, which, which that's huge, but then, you know, and, and Jerry Judy is still on that rookie deal. So that's the thing you, you still are. He's not that much right now. So, um, that's why I think you keep him and figure out what to do next year. And, and if you have this room, do something else, but I honestly, I'm, I'm in favor of keeping him, make some offensive line moves. Let's not change up everything. We, we know that everything it's almost like we get a free pass for a year yeah. <laughs> in terms of like last year sucked. Let's just see what happens this year. It's yeah. not as bad, but almost like the Jacksonville Jaguars of the year before, where it's like, yeah, we get it. Just take another shot. Well, and I think the Cortland Sutton deal, if he ends up not being able to bounce back this year, uh, that deal's easier to move on from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in a Sean Payton offense, you can look at him kind of as like that Marquise Colston type, right? Really good high point receiver, uh, really good kind of middle of the field guy. And I think they're going to try to use him more often. If I were to pick two, I would I would pick Cortland and, and KJ. I think I you're going to get the most. I think the problem with trading Cortland Sutton is that another team has to absorb that cap hit. So trading Cortland Sutton, you're probably not going to get as back in ret- as much back in return because that team's taking on the cap hit for you uh, unless you were to pay off some of that, but that kind of defeats the purpose of moving on from him anyway. So I, I would probably say like Jerry Judy, you're going to get the most back from. I've been on the record here on this pod. I've been very disappointed with Jerry Judy. There's been off the field stuff. I think he's on the field production. There's been flashes where it looks good. But at the same time, how much can you say based off of how last year looked, right? Like how much can you blame Jerry Judy because that team just didn't look great last year on the field, like top to bottom. So how much are you going to be able to really, you know, flex off of that, you know, because you're like, all right, well, like it might've been Jerry Judy or it might've been the offense they were, they were running. It might've been Russell Wilson, right? We don't really know. So getting off of someone who has the upside that Jerry Judy does might save you the most in cap plus get the most return that like kind of perfect medium. But yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, I think ultimately they hold on to all three, but I think if one of them gets dealt, it'll probably be Jerry Judy, uh, especially because he'll be coming up for a payday next season. Uh, wrapping, uh, closing up, just finishing notes here off the things you guys didn't mention. Uh, Adam Thielen getting released from the Minnesota Vikings. That was interesting. I still think he has some good football left. I think he's going to be a really good addition to a team that needs him. I know it was brought up there with the Jets. Um, you know, I, I could see him fitting into one of those teams that needs a slot. I could also see him going to a place like New England, right? And not just because he's white and can play the slot. I mean, we know he's way better than that. Um, but I could also just see him going to a team like New England that's kind of in the middle ground and needs to bring in a wide receiver cheap to kind of help develop a quarterback. So uh, where he goes, uh, Robert Woods going to the Houston Texans. It's been a while since we've really mentioned Robert Woods. I mean, he was still a, a top tier wide receiver, maybe not that top 15 level, but he was in the top 25, top 30 
right? Um, he's the number two. He tears his ACL. And then last year was kind of his comeback year, and it never really felt like he made sense there in Tennessee. Uh, I don't yeah, know what to expect. don't throw the ball. <laughs> that uh, also with Ryan Tannehill. I didn't really know what to expect with Houston. I think we, we think they're going to go after a quarterback with the second overall pick. So that might be Bryce Young, might be CJ Stroud, whoever it ends up being. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I could also see Houston like drafting Will Levis for some reason. Um, either way, you know, I, I'd be curious to see how he goes. Maybe he can be a, a veteran guy to help a young rookie quarterback. Uh, Deron Payne, I mentioned Jer- uh, Javon Hardgrave. Those just those contracts were interesting to me. Um, I know Deron Payne's been really solid, but I, I really feel like just the numbers have borne out that Javon Hardgrave is better. I just think Javon Hardgrave had more talent around him, and that's saying a lot because. You know, those Washington defensive lines are good, but that Eagles D-line this year was something special. So I think San Francisco got a bargain there um, because I think, honestly, I, I think you could have given Javon Hardgrave probably $40 million, $50 million guaranteed, and it probably would have made sense. Um, talking about my Eagles, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham both coming back. Love that. Um, however, already lost Hardgrave, already lost TJ Edwards. There was the buzz last week about Darius Slay. Um, I mean, look, he had an open, he has a podcast and he has an open uh, like love letter to Adam Thielen telling him to come to Philly. Um, I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I think he's hanging in. The other thing too is with the Jalen Ramsey trade, I think the Eagles saw what the, the Dolphins gave up to get him and they realized, hey, we're not going to get that much for Slay even. So I, I don't know if it's really worth it to give up Darius Slay. I think you just ride it out because he was good. But now we're putting a spot here. Um, supposedly, the Eagles made a very competitive offer to C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Um, he's number one on my list of guys to bring back. Uh, and I really, really hope he decides to come back. Last week, it seemed like he was gone, gone. Um, and now this week, there's been rumblings that now there's a chance he might actually stay in Philly. So I'm hoping for that. James Bradbury, same deal with him. Either if we can bring back one of those two, I'd be happy. I would really prefer it to be CJ Garner Johnson. Um, that's kind of my Eagles rant. Uh, Calais Campbell, you mentioned. Jawan Taylor going to the Chiefs. A big contract for a guy who has been solid. Uh, and I think, look, if you have Patrick Mahomes, you're willing to just pay that money to have someone who's solid, right? Like that, that's not that big of a deal. Like you're just like, hey, let's pay a little bit extra money to keep someone who we know is just a solid contributor to the team. Especially uh, and, after they lost Wiley. Yeah, they lost Wiley um, and Orlando Brown Jr. as well. So they already lost two guys off that offensive line. So you got to bring in somebody. Uh, and the last thing I'll bring up here, which broke today, we haven't talked about it yet on the pod. Austin Eckler um, yeah. seeking permission to, to, to get a trade. This is interesting. Um, definitely is contract-based. Uh, we've seen highs and lows from Eckler. I think universally we've all been fans of his. He's a weird player to figure out. He's, and this is again my my Philly bias showing up, but he's the modern day Brian Westbrook. You know, he's they're they're very similar players. Can run between the tackle, undersized, have had their injury issues, but both of them just produce. They score touchdowns in the red zone. They catch balls out of the backfield. You can line them up in the slot. You can do a million things with them. Like Austin Eckler is just Brian Westbrook two uh, and he's a very valuable player, and he's coming off back-to-back really good seasons, staying healthy for the most part. Uh, I'd, I'll be very curious because I think Justin Herbert loves having that checkdown option, but new offensive coordinator in there. Um, uh, what's his name from uh, Dallas? Um, oh, uh, 
Kellen Moore. Okay. Kellen Moore, thank you. Yeah. I just, I just, my brain just goes Boise State whenever I think of Kellen yeah. Moore. So I was just gonna be like Boise State, Boise State, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kellen Moore being the offensive coordinator there uh, now. I mean, I don't know if I'm Austin Eckler. I get like he realizes he's probably in that la- that window right now where it's like, hey, I got to make my money, so he's gonna try to push it. But I mean, that's a dude who can put a team over the top, right? Uh, but who's gonna be willing, including to pay the him? one he's on, including <laughs> the one he's on, right? Yeah. But I also I also understand from his perspective, he's been there his whole career and he's frustrated based based off the lack of of performance. But I, you can't really blame Austin Eckler for that, right? I mean. Think about all the other running backs that have been there while he was there that he's beaten out. Um, yeah, so that that's an interesting one to follow, and I think we'll probably learn more about that by uh, by uh, by Thursday's pod. But all right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do a quick fifteen minutes on the tournament. We're not going to do too much there because we are going to do our like we've done. This will be our third year in a row doing our actual, uh, which is crazy. We're on our third. And the third year of doing something yeah. right now. Um, this will be our third year doing our brackets here on the podcast. Um, so we'll do our full breakdown on Thursday's pod and we'll get some free agency recap that we didn't hit today. We'll do on Thursday's pod, but we're going to do kind of instant reactions, early thoughts. I've said this to y'all before the way I always do my bracket. I fill it out Monday. I let it sit for a couple of days. I listen to podcasts, read my articles. I do my homework and then I come back Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and I make my little tweaks until I kind of feel like I have a, a bracket that I'm happy about. It's worked well in the last couple of years, so we're going to do that again. So that'll be Thursday's pod. But for today, we're going to do our instant reactions, how we feel today, Monday, with the bracket out. And then we'll get you guys on your way to the rest of your week. All right. Lots of NFL talk, but today is the day the bracket well yesterday was the day the brackets came out but we're still within the 24-hour cycle as recording now of when the brackets came out so that means everyone's hyped up on the ncaa tournament like i said on thursday's pod we're gonna do a full breakdown we're gonna do all of our picks uh and we're gonna have that out wednesday night slash thursday morning so before the games start if you want to make any last minute adjustments all that will be out there for you guys uh but for right now it's kind of gut reactions you know, some teams that got screwed, some vulnerable teams. Um, I will say between Scotty Vito and myself, Scotty's definitely been the most locked in on college basketball. Um, for the first time this year, I haven't had to cover any college basketball for my job. So I've been slowly catching up over the last, uh, you know, month since uh, football season ended. Uh, I have my own thoughts, but Scotty will throw to you uh, right off the bat. What was the first thing in the seating, whether it's team left out uh if there's one team in particular, a region, what was the first thing that jumped out to you with the tournament and the, uh, the bracket so far? Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of storylines this year in college basketball. Um, not the least of which coming from the number one overall seed, the Alabama Crimson Tide, who, uh, had a guy who was accused of, of being a part of a, a murder, um, and the star player in the league too. So, uh, there, there's that alone. There's, there's, you know, just a ton of parody this year in college basketball. I think it's been really solid up and down the board. Um, uh, but I do think there's, there's a couple of teams here in the bracket that have, um, separated themselves from most of the rest of the pack. Um, but the sec has just been absolutely dominant. The ACC has had an off year, the big 10. How about a uh, big storyline for the podcast? The Penn state Nittany lines are dancing for the first time in 13 years, 13 uh, years. That's how long or 12 been, years, huh? 12 years. Oh, yeah, wow. 2011 was the last tournament. That, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also a seven, 10 matchup, which we lost to temple. Is that before you guys were into Penn state? Are you that Not old? me? No, no, <laughs> I, was, I, was I was there. there. 
Yeah. Wow. You that would have been your there. freshman year, Vito, I think. Yeah. yeah. You guys are old. Yeah, man. Yeah, we are. <laughs> no, but but a, a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I think you talk about teams that uh, that kind of got hosed a little bit. Um, well, they didn't get hosed, but uh, the first preseason number one uh, to not make the NC2A tournament, the UNC Tar Heels, yeah. who were in the championship game last year, no, not in the uh, in the field this year. Uh, Clemson, who finished third in the ACC, usually you find those guys get in an easy at-large. They had a, a great stretch down, uh, uh, a great run down the stretch, uh, winning, I think it was something like 11 of their last 13 games. Um, and uh, who was the other one? Oh, Rutgers out of the Big Ruck- Ten. Rutgers uh, got screwed. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, they they had a good run in the championship. I thought if they in the in the conference championship, if they had, I thought that if they had won one or two games, uh, they'd be they'd be a lock, uh, no longer on the bubble. Similar with well, Penn especially State, if actually, you're if you're run. Clemson too, right? And you just beat the doors off of NC State in the ACC tournament, and they, then and then you see the NC field. State in the tournament, yeah. and you're like, as a six seed, hey man, <laughs> yeah, like that's 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 the thing with this time of year where it's just. I because it's a it's a full season. Like, look, Clemson didn't win. They started off super hot, and then they got real cold real fast, and they got hot again towards the end of the season. Just wasn't quite enough for them to make the cut. Which I think the tournament, honestly, I would rather see NC State and Clemson flipped. But at the same time, like NC State did the work throughout the regular season to get that spot in there. So I'm with you on that. Um, Let's talk about the so the first four in, which is technically first eight in, but we got some playoff games. Uh, we have the tech, the classic, right? Um, Texas A&M Corporal Chris or Corpus Christi. I always forget that town yep. in, uh, in, in Texas. Uh, Southeast Missouri State, that's the 16s. And then we also have the other 16s, Fairleigh Dickinson and Texas Southern. Uh, then we also have Mississippi State and Pitt and Arizona State and Nevada. Now, Scotty, I want to start with the 11 seats because, look, I mean, we, we, we know what UMBC did. It's going to be a long time before we another we see another 16 seed pull that off. I don't think we're in any jeopardy barring some. I think if there's one team, maybe Houston, because we've seen them fall short before, but only against Temple, really. Uh, and maybe Kansas, but Kansas gets Howard in the first round, so they're not too dangerous of a 16 seed. Don't think we have to worry about them, but in the 11 seeds, Mississippi State, Pitt, Arizona State, Nevada, we've seen a play-in team every year since uh, the the play-in game started, make it to at least the Elite Eight. Is there a team like that with these four teams? Is there a team that you think can make a run that can potentially find their way to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight? Uh, Yeah, I think, you know, and it sucks because they're in the Midwest too, uh, along with Penn State, but I think Pitt is that team. They played really tough Mm -hmm. down the stretch. Um, As much as it pains me to say that, you're welcome, Vicky. I'm... I'm (laughs) I'm taking Pitt. Uh, I, I I think uh, look Arizona State's a great team. Uh, they they did a lot down the stretch too, including make a uh, a, a buzzer beater from three quarter court to beat Arizona a two seed on their home floor, um, and that was part of them getting into this tournament as well. So uh, Arizona State's a great team, but I don't think in that uh, in that bracket there there's a, a whole lot of chance for them out of the West and the Midwest. Pitt uh, plays really tough in the ACC. Uh, they they had the unfortunate circumstance of running into Duke in the, uh, in the conference championship bracket, which Duke ended up winning the, uh, the conference tournament. Um, spoiler, spoiler there, of course, uh, which is weird to say about a Duke uh, basketball team as a five seed. Um, so I do think Pitt can make a run uh, in that Midwest and it lines up pretty well too. I mean, they're, uh, 
they're the 11 seed, so they'd have to play. Uh, who would they have to play uh, out of the Midwest? Let me look at the bracket here real quick. Um, hey, Iowa State. Yeah, so they'd have to Iowa play State. Iowa State. No. Iowa State's not uh, not uh, an ideal uh, uh, team. Usually, they're they're a pretty good scoring team. The Big Twelve has been unbelievable this season. Uh, probably the the one of, right up there with the SEC this year. Uh, but Iowa State can't score like uh, uh, like Pitt can. Uh, Pitt can running off the three point line as well. I think that that's the strength of of a lot of these Big Twelve teams. I'd like them against Iowa State. Um, and then they play the winner of uh, of uh, who are probably Xavier, likely. Uh, and Xavier is one of those teams that um, you know I, I I feel a lot about like some of those big big East schools. Like Xavier plays well, but they don't they're not particularly good on defense. They don't shoot the ball very well. Um, they're really good on the interior, but uh, Pitt can defend that. And I think that would that would be the team I can I would pick to to get to the Sweet Sixteen at that point. I think you're right that it'll be one of the two teams from that game because I think Missis. I think you have to give credit to Mississippi oh, yeah. State. They've hung with everybody in the SEC, including Alabama and the SEC. I mean, I still think the Big Twelve has been the best conference in college basketball this year, but the SEC has not been far behind them. So, uh, I think if you can hang in either one of those conferences, and that's why I like Iowa State. That's why I like TCU. Both six seeds in this tournament. Uh, I, I think either one of those schools, whether it's Mississippi State or Pitt, the ACC has just been so bad this year that I'm worried about Pitt being able to handle, um, you know, some elevated competitions where you look at a team like Mississippi State, if they find their way going up against Iowa State in the first round, I don't think they're going to be afraid of Iowa State. I think they're going to be able to get through that game pretty comfortably. Um, not comfortably, but I think they can at least they know that they can win that game. Right. Mississippi State's a team where, hey, you, you win X amount of games in the SEC this year in particular. Just like, hey, you win X amount of games in the Big 12, just like we saw Iowa State and TCU, you are deserving of that spot. And so I think a Mississippi State-Iowa State matchup in the first round, uh, I think that'd be a fantastic game because we're talking about two teams that have basically been at the same level in their conferences that they were in, uh, you, you know, at their respective conferences as one another. So like Iowa State, about the same distance down in the Big 12, just the Big 12 has more teams. Mississippi State has hung with every team in the SEC. I think you have to give Mississippi State some credit there as well. Um, we'll we'll talk about some of the big dogs here: Kansas, Ber uh, Purdue, Houston, Alabama. Uh, I would say this right now: other than Kansas, it's about as unconventional of a top four as we've had in a very long time in college basketball. Um, mm -hmm. Purdue has a history of not showing up in the tournament. Kansas, uh, without their head coach, uh, Bill Self, thoughts and prayers be to, back to to him. Um, Still un unclear exactly what he had. Uh, the reports coming out uh, was a preemptive procedure from um, a heart attack. They thought they saw signs of a heart attack. They seemed to be able to go in and get that taken care of. I still don't know when or if we'll see Bill Self in this tournament. But for a Kansas team looking to repeat as national champions, you have to think, hey, like that's got to be a big blow. And then you look at Houston, who has dominated the American. They actually lost the American championship to Memphis, who we'll get to that on Wednesday is one of my favorite teams in this bracket. Um, mm -hmm. But Houston's also lost the Temple this year, right? They haven't. They, they've been awesome. They've beaten every team that they're supposed to. But again, that battle-tested thing, like that, const that seems to be a constant theme in March Madness. Do you have the backcourt? Do you have the coaching? Do you have that one or two NBA players? And more importantly, do you have the experience going up against it? And I, I, I 
don't know if Houston does. So I think there's questions to be brought up about three of the four teams. And then obviously we can dive into the, all, all the Alabama stuff, but they've seemed to be able to win regardless of whatever has been going on around them. So don't quite include them in this, but for at least three of the four one seeds, there's legitimate questions, which I think leads into further discussion about how crazy this year in college football has been college basketball, I should say basketball. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and that's where the, the crux of it is for me. Like, uh, it is the backcourt is the experience is the coaching. And, and I look at a team like Purdue uh, who granted beat Penn state in the, in the conference tournament final. Um, but when Zach Eadie's not on the floor, I mean, Matt Painter's a great coach, but like when Zach Eadie's not on the floor, that team looks lost. They've got two freshmen in the backcourt and that's not a recipe for winning in that in March, as you said. Absolutely. Um, the, one of the other things too, uh, that I wanted to bring up too is that with this year, along what I was saying, like this year being so all over the place in college basketball, it feels like uh, we might be heading towards a season um, where the national champion may not be a number one seed. And I was trying to do some digging as the last time we saw a once a non one seed win the national championship. I know it's been a while since we've seen a non one seed, um, but I feel like this year is as good as any. So of the non one, we can even say two, because I think, look, I mean, UCLA, I think would have been a lot of people's picks if it wasn't for the injury late in the season. Uh, Marquette coming out of the big East. They have some question marks, Arizona up and down season. And then Texas, it's kind of like, is Texas actually going to win a national championship? I will say, uh, I do think that they are going to get to the final four, not to play spoilers to my own bracket, but I do like Texas a lot in this match, in this, uh, tournament, but it feels like if there's going to be a year where we have a UConn, right, or a Butler, or a team like that who finds themselves in the national championship, do we think that this is potentially that year that we see it just based off of the lack of faith that we might have in the top seeds uh, in the bracket this year? I mean, I don't know, Scotty. You know better, but I hope so. <laughs> because <laughs> to your point, last time it happened was 2014, UConn. Before that, the only other non-one seed that won was Nova in 16 um like or since then so everyone else has been one the, the odds are crazy just to back up your point jeff 65 percent of champions are one seeds 14 percent are two seeds 11 percent are three seeds there's been one four one six one seven one eight that's it so wow. it's really really about being a one seed and if not two or three so so hopefully we get one no five seed has won this ever so uh, I, I'm going to put that there. I don't know what the odds are in Vegas for that, but I'll find out and I'll throw down some money on a five scene winning and all. You got a good one in Duke on the, uh, in the East bracket. Yeah, um, and, uh, but I think at, at the end of this, it, as crazy as this year has been, I think you're going to see, there's potential to see a lot of chaos up to the final four, but it's going to end up being chalk. Alabama's too strong and too deep. Uh, they've got two of everyone. They can shoot the ball. They can run you off the three-point line. They can play great defense. They rebound the ball. Uh, they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the league and one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. So we'll dive into all the, the statistical anomalies that that provide you success when we p- make our picks. But to me, at the top, those guys are, are too good at what they do. The 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 one seed, save for Purdue, I think. Um, and I'd even pick some of these two seeds over top of them, like Texas, um, like Marquette. Um, so I, I just think there's too much – as much parity as there is in the rest of the league, I think the, the top two or three guys or teams are are really solidified and, and ahead above everyone else. 
Yeah, it is interesting. 16 and five since 2001, one seeds winning the national championship. Uh, 16 one seeds. We have uh, a three seed. We have had two, three, 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 three seeds. Uh, 03 Syracuse, 2006 Florida, and 2011 Connecticut. We've had uh, two, two seeds, the 2004 UConn Huskies and the 2016 Villanova Wildcats. And then we have, of course, the uh, 2014 team, the seven seed UConn, who was a seven seed. So, um, yeah, I think for the most part, Alabama is the heavy favorite. They have the best player in the country and they have the most depth. But Alabama is also one of those teams that is very reliant on being able to bomb it from deep. And they have the depth to be able to do that, right? As you were saying, Scotty, they, they can roll two or three different lineups out there, all of which can can shoot it from from deep. But what's interesting is that side of the bracket is a lot of teams that like to do the same thing. Uh, Maryland, West Virginia, uh, Furman is another one of those teams. I know they're the 13 seed and probably not likely to take down Alabama, but that's what they do. Creighton is that way. NC State plays that way. Baylor can chuck it up from three. That they're more known for their defense. Missouri is that way, uh, and then of course you have Arizona at the bottom of the bracket there that can do it the same thing. So in those matchups, when you're going up against a one seed, you know, and, and granted, if you're Alabama, you're happy to see Maryland or West Virginia in the second round, and you're going to be happy to see either San Diego State, Charleston, Virginia, or Furman. I mean, Virginia versus Alabama—that's about as good of a matchup as you can get if you're Alabama, because Virginia is going to let you shoot over the top versus that Tony Bennett defense. Um, it's it's going to be really interesting. Uh, let's go right here. Uh, early sleeper predictions from you, Scotty and Vito. If you have anybody off the mind, um, who who just talking upsets, but not just upsets in the first round because we know those are going to happen, but upsets mm-hmm. that could maybe make a run to like the elite eight. Uh, it's been, I believe, since two thousand and eleven. I might have that number wrong, um, but there has been a seven seed or higher to make the final four uh, for a very long time in a row now. Who is that team going to be this year? Uh, Seven seed or better. Uh, I'm going to take the Penn State. No, I'm kidding. I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) No, screw it. Penn State. Uh, Why not? (laughs) There's a a stat I saw that uh, that they're they're not. I'll, I'll make a I'll make a legit pit, but there's there's a there's a stat I saw that said um, there's um, Jesus uh, twelve of the last thirteen Final Fours have included at least one team with a a top six finalist in the uh, in the Koozie Award, which is the best guard in the country. Jalen Pickett is a top six finalist, so Penn State to the Final Four. How about it, boys? Uh, the lines are dancing. Um, no, legitimately, emotionally <laughs> or physically. <laughs> Uh, I, I think a, a team that can make a run if Providence gets by Kentucky in the first round in the uh, in that six um, eleven matchup in the East, um, I think Providence can make a run. Uh, they're a really good shooting team, um, and then they'd end up going against uh, a, a pretty good Kansas State team, likely. But um, Montana State's no slouch either. They they could put up a game against Kansas State. So either way, I think the team that wins that Kentucky Providence game. Uh, has a has a legitimate shot of getting at least to to the Sweet Sixteen, if not the Elite Eight. Um, the other team I look at, uh, one of the one of the recurring storylines of the NC two A tournament is uh, uh, we always fall in love with a team like a mid major team that has a big white center that uh, lumbers around <laughs> and does all the dirty work. Watch out for 
the Charleston Cougars. Charleston, out of the, yeah. Uh, Love me a Cougar. <laughs> out of God, the South God. bracket. I, I think they they are a 12 seed who can make some noise uh, out there. They, they shoot the lights out of the ball uh, as well, and they're really, really solid defensive team. So uh, that that's a team I think could make a run as well. Yeah, I think you put FAU in that conversation as well, yeah. right? Um, they're they're a nine seed. Uh, they, you know, again, I love Memphis, uh, and I think Memphis. I, I, I mean, my two picks, ironically, are both eight seeds. Uh, I love Memphis. They're super physical team. Uh, they have at least one lottery pick on that team. Those are typically like when you're looking for this, you want strong backcourt play, you want good coaching, and you want at least one pro. Like those are like the three headed monster I do every single year for the tournament. And I think Memphis has that. I also say the must bus in Arkansas, right? They've had yeah, a disappointing a year and a very competitive sec competition, but they have at least one lottery pick, potentially two different lottery picks. They have a coach who's been there, done that before, uh, and a really strong backcourt. And they're going to have a tough test in round two, if they're able to get past Illinois, because Illinois has shown signs of being a top 25 level team this year as well. But if Arkansas can find their way past Illinois, they got to knock off Kansas in their second round, and that's obviously a tall task. But again, Kansas is tough, right? It's boom or bust with them because if you're Kansas, hey, we don't have our normal head coach. Everything's weird. It's the first time we're going to see a coach not named Bill Self coaching Kansas in the tournament since the mid early to mid-2000s. And instead, is that an opportunity for the must bus to roll in and uh, and pull off an upset? I think, hey, we see one seeds bounce in the second round. Uh, not every year, but once every couple of years you see it happen. I think there's a good chance that might happen right now. So Memphis uh, and I think Purdue is very susceptible as well. Uh, if a team's able to get past Zach Eady, get him in foul trouble, not getting that Big Ten officiating, that could help them a lot. Uh, but I also think Arkansas, the must bus, they got two pros on that team, a really good head coach and a strong backcourt. I think Arkansas, if they can get past Illinois, uh, that might start uh, spark a run. But if they're not able to get by them, I think they might get caught. So, uh, Vito, this, any last thoughts here? Yeah, this isn't about the best players, or the best coaches. That is when you're at the final four. <laughs> but this is about a team on a streak or someone going off. And, and you guys are overlooking, obviously, a great team to do that. And that's UCSB Gauchos. I don't know why they're not talking oh, about the going up against Baylor out of the big West. Right? That's right. We're looking for a big, big year out of the Gauchos. All right. They're yeah. They're, yes. They're a 14 seed, but I actually, I hey. have them going decently far. I have them going the elite eight. We'll talk have about that more it? Friday. Who's going to be two, this year. St. Peter's right. Could it be UCSB? Right. Two, uh, and, and two comeback Barbara, wins to win done. Two comeback wins to win the big 10 West title. I love yep, it. And, and that, listen, that kind of, at, that, exact kind of uh um you know camaraderie and everything you build around going through and winning a title right before that you're on a streak you keep it going sometimes that's all you need so watch out for my gauchos i love it i love it all right much much more of the tournament to come this week long pod today it was great to have the whole crew back together we'll hopefully get everyone back together to recap more free agency news on thursday as well as our tournament brackets Again, third year in a row we've done this. We look forward to doing it. This is, we've said it before, this time of year is awesome because, yeah, there's no football. I mean, let's like the XFL, which has actually been somewhat entertaining. Uh, yeah. You know, how about those defenders? Or no. How about the, the, the defenders? Uh, you know, so it's been fun, right? But this time of year is like, hey, we have our football season. The last month is that purgatory. And now we're into it. We had the players, which was great finish. Scotty Scheffler run, you know, absolutely destroyed everybody. 
Uh, we have the Masters coming up in just a few weeks. We have the NCAA tournament coming up. We'll have the draft. We have free agency. We get NBA playoffs just a couple of weeks away, or I guess what, a month away. Um, the MVP debates heating up. Joel Embiid making his case. Nikola Jokic. There's a whole bunch going on in the sports world. We got you covered here on the Read Option. So for the boys, I'm Jeff. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for sitting this long pod. Sorry about the inconsistencies with posting. You know, this time of year can get a little tough, but we will try to get back into it. So I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of your week. We will talk to you on Thursday. Get you set. March Madness coming up Thursday noon. Get ready. Read Options got you covered, and we'll talk to you guys then. And as always, take it easy, everybody. <laughs>